This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Woo! He now rocking with One Nation Radio. Welcome to the program. James Boy, Richard Ladder, and a couple friends. With the show for your wrestling needs. Shopping off the rest of the IWC. We gon' tell her how it is. We gon' shoot from the hip. If they putting out trash, we gon' rip from the bitch. Make sure that you tweet us and you rate the shows. Tell a friend to tell a friend I'll Let's get it on the road. Welcome to One Nation Radio. And now, here are your hosts, Rich Latta and James Boyd. And thank you for listening. SocialSuperFlex.com. BWB, what's up? What's good? It's Wale, and this is One Nation Radio. Very low. Welcome to the August 13th edition of One Nation Live. James, what's going on, man? Not too much. Just um, just excited about this show and what I just saw in the final G1. For sure, man. Really, 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 uh, really good stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah, man. And, uh, and joining us from Wrestling Observer Live, the man that you hear on the intro of this very show, Mike Sempervivi. What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's happening? Just loving this this post G one. It's uh, almost like post poidial. Just you get that <laughs> that good buzz. Just you're laying back in, in in the big soft sheets. It's just like it's as good of a of a of a good morning on the East Coast as you could have possibly gotten. Yes, it, it was a is a wake and bake and no fake. <laughs> And just like, just again, it is the perfect Sunday morning start if you're a professional wrestling fan, for me at least. Yes. Uh, the uh, G1 just wrapped up, uh, as many are, are calling it, possibly the greatest tournament in the history of professional wrestling. Four-star matches galore, five-star matches, and maybe even higher um, to, to, to what we're probably uh, be seeing uh, in the in the coming weeks and all that but uh, I want to get started by just talking about the last like three days Mike I'm not sure how much of it you actually um, got to check out or anything but uh, what stood out to you pretty much as the you know the best match like of the three because there was Naito and uh, Omega there was Omega Okada three of course and then there was Naito and Tanahashi or is it something else that um, that you thought was um, you know the the top dog, uh, the top dog? It's it, to me, it's Omega and Naito. It's the finals. It's got to be. That was amazing. That was something else. And Naito, the Stardust genius, and Omega, a athlete of, of epic proportions. And I don't know who you consider the best wrestler in the world, but I know your top five in that top three of the top five. It's got to be Naito, Omega, and Okada. And if you liked one of their matches more than the other one in any combination of those men and Tanahashi, good on you. You know, I thought the Naito-Tanahashi match on the Dome show on January 4th was actually better than Okada and Omega for the 25 minutes it went in comparison to the 45 that Okada and Omega went. Not to say that Okada and Omega was bad by any means or anything like that. I just liked Naito and Tanahashi more. So whatever you like out of this G1, you're right. Right. <laughs> you know, but... How this thing built all the way to the end and built itself up, and it's like, will we have a feeling? Because there's a lot of people that, that knew or felt as though Naito was going to win, and you have him go out there and face Omega after Omega gets the big win over Okada. Would it feel like a little bit of a come down? Nope. <laughs> you know, they gave <laughs> that thing, and they actually peaked the thing with the very last match of the night 
on the very last show, and it was really, really something else. And I know the hardcore WWE fans or people who are not fans of international wrestling probably turn their nose up and are so happy that this thing's over because they're tired of hearing Dave <laughs> gush all over it or anybody else gush all over it. But the fact of the matter is if you're a wrestling fan or if you're a sports entertainment fan, either one, this was a hell of a showcase for Ghetto as a booker and for a lot of these guys, not just your big players, but a lot of these guys up and down those shows. Yeah, man. Uh, James, like, wh- wh- I know you um, caught the uh, Omega and Okada and obviously this match here. Like, what, uh, what stood out to you? Well, first things first, I'm still sort of tripping off of, of, of Mike saying it, like, watching great wrestling is like, it's, it's like post-sex. Like, I'm still, I'm still tripping off, like, post, straight up post-orgasm. Just, I'm still, I woke but, up with a, a k- fabulous heart on this morning, and, it, and it, was, it was pleasured by the fine people at New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, best $9.99 I have ever spent with that kind of feeling. Amazing. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Okay, so... I mean, I had I had sort of like thoughts of like what the story was going to be um, after watching or leading up to the end of the block the, the block finals. So I mean, not block finals, but they pretty much were effectively block finals. Right. So for me, I, I thought that the, the situation was Naito was going to win because Tanahashi, you know, the, um, the bicep is such a biceps is such an issue for him, and then he's going to be in place. And now I thought, you know, the way they told the story was to me. The two previous matches in uh, between Okada and Omega, that you know, if Omega overcomes Okada, it's going to put him at such a. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to take so much for him out of him physically that he just won't have enough for to deal with uh, Naito in the final. Um, turns out, that's not what they did. They decided uh, to uh, to have him basically take 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 most of the match. Um, and then at the end, he just could not put away Naito. Which I mean, at a point, there's a point where he's just on the ground, and I'm thinking like, I said to you while watching the replay, Naito needs to win this match. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he is like literally the he's literally like the guy in peril, and every and the crowd is like completely dying for this dude to overcome being being in the danger zone for so long. Right, and and he overcame it, and the crowd lost the lost the shit and. Great, you know, great, great idea. They did a better. They did something better than I thought. Than I even thought they could have done. I thought there was a logical path, and they did something better. So, yeah, it's I, just a, just a just a great tournament. I was really impressed. Um, I ended up watching the final live out of dumb luck. Um, I rolled over and you know had to use the restroom like probably like you know about ten minutes before five a.m. And then hey, fabulous I, boner. See, yeah, yeah exactly. So. <laughs> I um <laughs> I I was like, well, As we're watching all this G one will do to you after like seventeen days of it. It's just like, all right, gotta wake up, gotta watch five star wrestling. Let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so I basically like, you know, I went back to last year because I remember it was like around six a.m. I wasn't sure exactly of the time of Goto versus Omega last year, so it was about four fifty a.m. I was like. Let me turn it on and see if I'll catch it. Mm-hmm. And then I catch them right as they're about to lock up. So I, it was destined for me to watch this match, I feel it like. Destiny. Yes, it was destiny. It was Destino to <laughs> quote Naito. And these guys came out here. I felt like they topped Omega and Okada three and two. And okay. I just feel like, yo, like when you're, you're watching professional wrestling, there are a few things that you know 
will really get you there as a fan. Like, be like, wow, I'm in disbelief, and this match was it. Not only from the spots they were doing, but just the whole story of, like, who these guys are, how they ended up basically replacing Nakamura and AJ and arguably going to greater levels than, you know, those guys. This was, like, the arc that pretty much completed that, and now Naito gets to head for the IWGP title, while Omega, essentially, now I feel like he's wearing the Kenny Omega Heavyweight Championship of the World because that U.S. title looks great right now on him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and isn't it funny that, I, what was it, 2014? 2014, Naito has been on the come up. You know, he is the guy who split away from Udro. You know, he is the, we knew he could put together a match, but, like, how is he as babyface, you know, as being the next Tanahashi or being in line or being perceived that way and, and having rivals around him like the Okadas on the come up and things like that? You know, being a little bit older than Okada, you know, Okada's age, you know, being closer to, to Kishida. And he failed. People turned on him. You know, people turned on Tanahashi a little bit. He was able to fight through it. People turned on John Cena to a degree, and he busted right through it. You know, and obviously the help of the promotion helped. In the case of Naito, he started to slip up, and the promotion went, okay, now we're going to pull you back, whether you're world champion or not. And his match with Okada... That was supposed to be the main event of the Dome Show. Was supposed to be this next generation taken over. Had to be depleted and embarrassingly so by the fans voting against it and causing the the promotion to go okay. Put it in the semi-main event slot and put Tanahashi and Nakamura for the IC title in the main slot. And now here we go, you know, turn it all the way around again. And Naito overcoming Tanahashi, you know. Putting, putting that to bed after their Intercontinental title feud and, and Tanahashi actually winning that and then Naito going on and now getting the shot at Okada and to have the story also include Evil, who is on the come up, who is part of Naito's stable, yes. whose match against Okada for the title that he is going to invoke probably in October. You know, he how is that going to play into things? Does Naito wait till 1-4? Does Omega challenge him? There are so many stories you can tell with this if you want to. Now, I think they're going to go with Naito and, and Okada at the Dome, and people say, well, why not Omega? Hey, it's still a Japanese wrestling company, and they're going to get a lot more uh, in a lot, in a lot more money, I think, out of Naito and, and Okada for this year's Dome than they're going to get out of Omega and Okada 4. But they are probably going to do Omega and Okada 4, and that's still going to be awesome. Right, and, and, I, and I heard some rumblings around like Twitter, like that would be a perfect match to come to America with uh, next time they do it next summer if Omega decides to stay in New Japan. Uh, and I'm right there with you. Like, you know, as you said, it is a Japanese wrestling company. So they pretty much gave us this year of the of this trilogy with these guys and put them at 1-1-1 and they can revisit it at any time and I feel like Omega's still going to be rewarded because the seeds were put in place for Kota Ibushi to end up challenging Kenny Omega and I think they these guys might try to literally kill each other <laughs> at the Tokyo Dome that's the direction I thought they were going to and I actually had Ibushi winning uh, and being the one that faces Omega after Omega got the win over Okada and uh, in the finals. And in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have picked that. I should have went with Naito, but I was kind of, you know, fantasy booking it out. But it's like how things are going to play out here or, or what it seems to be how things are going to play out. You have tension with Tamatonga with the Elite and the Bullet Club. So if the Young Bucks and Omega do decide to go, you can t continue to keep the Bullet Club 
you know, going. And you've certainly established Tamatonga right now as a guy that, even though he's in the tag title picture again, he can step he's out. still going to be, you know, he's still a threat. And he's still, uh, you know, uh, one of their, uh, their, their young bucks on the come up. So, you know, there's a lot of different directions that, that they can go with this thing ultimately if they if they so choose. So, you know, Omega, if he sticks around, you know, the match with Okada, does Naito need to win the title at, at the Dome? He doesn't. You know, I, I may go that way as far as because I think it's a good bookend to Okada's reign, and it's a good time to let Naito kind of roll with it. But you don't have to do that. And you could always come back to o- Okada and uh, Omega with the belt if you wanted to do that later on down the line. If Omega decides to stay and the people are just as as hyped for that match again as I think they're going to be for Okada and Naito at the Dome. So we'll have to see. But I tell you what, in any combination, you know, much like when Tanahashi and Nakamura were in the mix there, I mean, any combination of what you have going on there is great. Right. It's, it's a real, like, um, you know, Austin Rock, Triple H, Undertaker kind of feel that's <laughs> with with those guys. Yeah. Um, and you have, like, your ankle that you can throw in at any time, which is your Ashii or this guy who is your Goto or whoever. It's like you have so many bit players you can throw in and rotate out yep. that, that play a role so well. Right. And um, throughout the tournament, we saw a lot of, like, excellent wrestling, even from guys that, you know, didn't end up, you know, being at the top of their blocks. I wanted to ask you, uh, James and Mike, you know, uh, the MVP of the tournament. I, I think that was a hot debate uh, going. We can start with you, Mike, on that one. You know, early on it was Nagata for me, and I think uh, at his age and the fact that I'll always be a Eugene Nagata fan, I'll say him. But I think the, I think the reality is that it's Okada. I think uh, I think if again, this is one of those things. If you want to say it's Okada, Omega, or Naito, I think any of those three can can win. Uh, but I think Naito's performances throughout, I think, have been they've been something else. But Okada, I think, being the champion and again going out there and working with everyone and taking over the performance. It's amazing. The guy gets beat on by some people for facial expressions or for the look or, or how he moves. You know, it's almost like a Randy Orton thing. It's like some people just don't like how he moves so much they don't like him, even though you know the, the 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 notes that that are playing between you know the, the the big high spots of music are are something to be you know completely enamored with and i think a lot of people see that but a lot of people don't but i think his performances against yano and some of the stuff that he was able to do and play everyone's game and when he was getting booed out of the building to play up to that you know, I think everything worked out really perfectly for him, and I think it just is another notch in the cap on his year. So I think there's a lot of people you can take, but I'll, I'll give the, the, the cake to Okada. Yeah, man. Um, James, out of everything you've seen I mean, and heard on that? Yeah, I mean, I'll, to take off with, from his points, I mean, I think you also have to add Ishii to it as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you kind of... I have to. I, I I guess I have to say Okada as well. I mean, it could, for me, I just I just love his matches so much. Mm-hmm. Like he paces matches so incredibly well. Like and they always and they always like have a, a freaking crescendo like big matches. So like I I love. I, I have to say Okada. Like that's always been my guy. Like I've always been a, and maybe that's that's probably the reason why I like Okada so much because you know I'm I'm always been an Orton guy. 
like the first time I saw Orton was actually WrestleMania 25. It was a garbage match, but I saw like how smooth he was in the ring and he was in all the right places and like he's technically perfect. So mm-hmm. like he's along those same lines. And obviously, you know, we're talking about a different level when we're talking about Okada. So, like, <laughs> that's definitely my guy. You know what I mean? So, I, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Okada. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kenny Omega because. Um you saw the match with Suzuki. He was able to do the comedy match with Yano, d- despite how much it defiled the business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just open up and, and just 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 defecate on the business. But uh, when he he essentially had two five star matches back to back, possibly higher the last two days back to back on on limited rest because I don't know if you know this, James. The night before, mm-hmm. it's a it's an afternoon show. The after, it's not Ooh. like a full. You know, things. So I'm gonna go with Omega there. Okay. Um, I mean, you definitely, especially like considering that he actually got to the final. Right. Like, you could just say like whoever gets to the final and keeps adding on, right? Uh, should be able to get it. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. It's just like, what's your thing? What What do you like the most? Because it's like those when we talk about like the cold cards and you know the dome and things like that, where it's like. If, did you like Kama, is Kamatachi and Dragon Lee your thing? Then you like that match the most. Is uh, uh, Tanahashi and uh, Naito your thing? Then you're going to go with that one. Is the athleticism of Okada and Omega your thing? Or is it Shibata and Ishii? You know, it, it, with the two dudes thumping. Like, whatever your thing is, they're providing you a menu where everything you're plucking off of it is Michelin five stars. Yeah. And, and you just mentioned something I want to throw in there. Shibata came back. Oh, man. Yes. People crying. People like, it was crying. like watching Brian's song. Oh, my like, gosh. It was the only time that a dude could officially cry like that or, well, there's, I guess there's other reasons that you would cry. But let's official man talk. Like, you know, Shibata rolls in. The wrestler got the takeover shirt on. Yep. Just rolls it and said, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. And that was it. And, and, and women openly weeped. Men quietly weeped. Except for those who admitted it on Twitter, and there was a lot more, and I'm thankful that they did it out there with pride, letting them know that Shibata was an emotional time for them, like Adam Summers. Yeah, man, like like Shibata, like you get the feeling like he was set to be in one of these high positions this year, and pretty much he had his star making match. I don't know if it's especially after that Okada match, right? I don't know if, if he's done. Um, he took that bump in the ring. It was real ambiguous how they played it. I feel like they they left it. You know, I feel like we're going to see him after the Tokyo Dome, personally. I don't know. I'm thinking he's done. <laughs> Things we'll, we'll, we'll have to see going forward. I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't risk it, and I don't know if I'm New Japan. I put him in a position anytime soon uh, to, to risk it. But to see him, to see Hanma back and doing some commentary out there, being all tan and looking like <laughs> vampire chicken, and the fact that he's even able to walk after the, the draping DDT, that, that, that stung him out for so long. I mean, that was the other thing about this tournament was forget about what they did inside the ring. It was how they painted the rest of the picture and the aesthetics and everything else. I mean, the crowd helped immensely in, in most times, you know, that they were all hyped up and they drew more guys than they ever had. But those touches on, if you listened on to the Japanese commentary with Hama being there, it was a familiar sight and it was nice mm-hmm. to see him to the play between Tenzami and Kojima you know, the old men. I mean, there were just so many right. perfect stories that kind of played out with this thing. Yeah, man. Um, 
has there ever been a, a better promotion than the like 2017 New Japan? Just what they're doing, you know, in contrast with what WWE is going on, which from, we'll get to in a minute. From a critical perspective, you mean? Yes. Mm. That's tough. It might be for because my time. Yeah. Because we oh, get yeah. we get you know, folks, we get folks that say you know there's 90s all Japan. I didn't see that, but just the oh, f- yeah with all those guys, I didn't see that. And of course, you know people would throw up 2000 WWE. Hell, you can talk about 2016 WWE. I think. I mean, 20 look 2016 WWE right now. No matter how you cut it, has got the most impressive roster in the history of sports entertainment slash professional wrestling. Maybe save for the peak of WCW when they had all of those guys in there. But the reality of the situation is when you look at the type of athlete and the type of performer the WWE has, and you look at whether it be a Charlotte Flair or an Alexa Bliss or a Randy Orton or a, you know, again, Finn, Finn Balor or all of these hey, people Roman. that you have. And I'm not counting your Adam Pierce's and your Jimmy Jacobs and your Sarah Del Rey's and your Steve Carino's. That assembly of talent is so impressive that it's it's epic, and there's no reason that they shouldn't be making hundreds of millions of dollars a year, which they are. But critically, unfortunately, those people are hamstrung and not allowed to do because of the the the, the place that they're at. What New Japan is necessarily able to do, and for an old pro wrestling head. The New Japan does is still always probably going to play out the best. You know, you know, language barriers be damned. And right now there's less of a barrier than ever. Yeah. But, you know, this time I wasn't partial to all Japan in the 90s. I was I was a New Japan guy and I didn't have the access to tapes as much as a lot of these other guys did either. But like so that that didn't have that much of an effect on me. You go back in the 80s and you look at what like Jim Crockett and, and WWF and what territories did back in the day and it, it's tough to compare because times have changed so much and like per capita and per day mm-hmm. you probably in some ways made more money in a territory back in the day in like a memphis that was sold out every week or something like that in, in some ways as you do now but when you put it on the grand scale of things how can you deny new japan this year you don't have to like them you don't have to make it your bag i mean there's 31 flavors of wrestling ice cream you don't have to love it but you have to at least come to the conclusion that what these guys have done has been incredibly successful on so many levels, whether it be business, whether it be, you know, uh, just by match quality, whether it be by booking, whether it be by promotion, how they've been able to grow and develop and kind of do it carefully and, and make some of the right moves. And, and when they made bad moves, like with the, the BJJ guys, like with the Gracies, it's worked out to their advantage because it got you Shibata back. Like, I mean, even the dumb stuff, when you, when you take care of everybody, when you take care of when things matter, when match results matter, and when history matters, and when continuity matters, and when records matter, it gives you the ability to, to, to build up faith with your fan base. And it takes time to rebuild that, but they've done it to the point where people are willing to take the shot on too much interference or, or Gaijin's running, you know, running the show or this or that or the other, it gives you the ability to have that that option. And, and Gato's taken perfect advantage of that, and most of the stuff is hit. But some of the stuff that hasn't, at least he's had the leeway because so much of it's been so good, and that's what WWE is missing. They're missing, they're missing it for all the money that they're making. They're missing that, that buildup in faith with their fans. 
and 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 taking their character seriously. They can't build a baby face to save their life, which <laughs> WWF <laughs> built on baby faces. They can't build a baby face, and that shouldn't be that way. There's no reason it should be that way. Yeah. Well, no, they built. Sorry for that ramble. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Awesome. They built. Oh, 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 one question is: so you're so you're saying that logical booking and then wins mattering would will help the the promotion? Is it? Do you is, believe that? Yeah, I mean, I'm just <laughs> like it, it's so funny. Like you talk to everybody and it's like, well, maybe like maybe they should like you know at least try to like make this shit make sense from from you know a standpoint of like making wins matter and logical booking. Like, can we just like try that for like a week and see how that goes, or for a month? Can the we thing a month? is, I feel like the that's thing is, though, it's take they time. know who not to beat, so wins do matter to them. Exactly, it's just like a weird double standard that you know folks run into with it. Uh, Simon, it looks like you asked a question. You, you said, "How many Destinos did Naito hit?" I believe he hit three. three. Yep, yeah. and he also offered up. Twenty sixteen had great matches. The storylines were weak. Yeah. I mean, you can say that about pretty much anything yeah. if, you look, if you dig further enough into it. I mean, we, I mean, we don't look. We were here for WrestleMania season, and we went through those things, and like you know, just, yeah. just hammered their WrestleMania feuds. But um, let's get into SummerSlam. <sighs> okay. All right, man. All right. So, uh, some su- SummerSlam looks like there are eleven matches confirmed right now, with probably a couple more to come. Uh, we've got obviously got the big fatal four way with Brock. Well, we'll just uh, stop you real quick. You know, there's definitely be a twelve. You know that tag match has been confirmed yet between um, the Shield reunion. Oh, okay. Or the two thirds of the Shield reunion. Gotcha. So. Uh, we got the big fatal four way with uh, Lesnar, Reigns, Joe, and Strowman. Not a pure baby face in sight. No. Um, <laughs> we've got <laughs> the modern day mediocrity. To quote Chad Matthews, "What's up, Chad?" Against uh, Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship in a feud that is just. Come out of nowhere. Uh, uh, as we mentioned, the Shield reunion tag team match and AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. And then John Cena and Baron Corbin for some odd reason. So, Mike, what are your overall feelings about this card? Like, what what is the what is missing? And, you know... Well, let's, let's not do that. Where do you think... Do you think this card, as far as star, as far as star matchups, stacks up to previous SummerSlams? If you look at it on paper, yes, in, in ways, in a lot of ways, you, you, you can because that that main event is so big. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, just Brock's presence alone is so big. And if you read between the lines and you look at Cena and Corbin, that's pretty big. You know, because there's different directions you can go. And Corbin on paper isn't great, but but Cena and, and the possibility of what could come next is. You know, you, you have Kevin Owens and AJ again with Shane as a ref. I mean, you look at that match on paper and you go, man, I like that. You know, you, you haven't loved the ending of a lot of their matches. It's like WWE. You hope the match is going to be great and probably the match is going to be really good and they're going to be giving an ending that sucks and you can't really blame the guys. That's what they're given and that's how it goes. So you have to hope for that. But like, yeah. you know, by that, you know, mindset, you look at that and you go, man, I like that match on paper. Uh, Randy Orton and Jinder, I mean, or Jinder and Nakamura, I don't like, but again, on paper with Nakamura being put in that position instead of Cena, certainly adds a lot of intrigue, you know, to, to what could possibly play out there. So I think, I think if you look at it that way, it's pretty good. I don't know how it's going to end up in execution because I don't think Jinder and Shinsuke are probably going to have the greatest match in the world. (laughs) We'll have to see what happens. And there is a a looming specter of Baron Corbin defeating John Cena, going on, catching the briefcase and winning. You know, that that's 
within the realm of possibility. Who knows what happens with Cena? You know, in the situation he's in, you know, what's going to happen with Brock Lesnar? And, and Paul Heyman doesn't like to, to blow off, you know, stipulations like it's nothing. But, man, they've certainly put it in your head. Like, there's a real shot, without saying the word John Jones, that Brock Lesnar could be gone, you know, after this match. And, hey, if they go with Braun or if they go with Joe, you know, is that the worst idea in the world right now? Of course it's not. So there's a lot. I think on paper it's good. Again, the problem with these shows is they're so long and there's so much nonsense and there's so many bad finishes that (laughs) even if you did have some superstar sort show with a bunch of celebrities in or something like that or or Rousey or whatever you would want to, any Gaga that you want to throw on this show, you know, they, they don't have any, you have no faith in them right now, you know? And that's, I think the biggest problem is just, yeah, you, you can have anybody you want on that page, but the reality of the situation is, yeah, I'm watching it because it's SummerSlam, the same reason I watched Mania and the Royal Rumble, but like you got to knock my socks off. I'm not going in with any expectations with you whatsoever. You got to prove it to me. The same way they have to do it for three hours every Monday night. That's just the position they're in. They get no uh, pass from me. They get no, no good faith from me because you've been burned too many times. They have no insurance built up. Uh, that, that's something we like that- to talk. We, that's something we like to talk about here on our show. Yeah. Like it's basically like the concept of insurance. No, like no credibility. No, your credit is literally credibility, and much like credibility. Credibility, <laughs> uh, um, insurance, like it's, it's something like when you need it, you must have it. Like it's right. something that you just need, like when when, it, when something bad happens, and you never know when you're going to need it. Exactly. Yeah. So so like, and they they've they've you know this year, like last year, based on the match quality, like it's one of the best years that the company's ever had as far as in-ring, as an in ring product. But like this year, because they've done so much weird stuff where they've they booked these matches, especially like um, money or what was it? Uh, Great Balls of Fire, where not a single baby face uh, succeeded yep. the whole night. Yep. Like, why am I watching? Right. I don't understand. Right. This, is a cra- this promotion was built, the only wrestling promotion, yes. I don't say the only one, but it, the most notable one for being built on the exact opposite of everybody else. You're going to have heels come face our baby face champion. Our gigantic heels are going to come, and our champion is going to conquer over the span of three matches. And it was all about the baby face. Mm-hmm. And they can't, they were handed Sami Zayn, they were handed Bailey, they were handed <laughs> yes. Shinsuke Nakamura, all of these people, and they've somehow beat the brakes off of them or throttled their engines or whatever it is. You know, humanized yes. too many of them, not made them superstars. And for oh. a company that touts superstars, when you got a bunch of people who are all interchangeable, man, you really got nothing. And yeah. and the part where like if if they haven't like booked them in the fifty fifty oblivion or just beat them like a drum, like the, their face turns are all all just completely passive. It's like we when we were um, when we were doing um, WrestleMania weekend, we were talking about this. The whole reason why none of none of us and they're finally getting into it now, but the whole reason why at the time nobody's really buying the Seth thing, we all felt like he was a he was a bad guy just pretending. Yep. Was because his face turn was that he got screwed. It wasn't because uh, he he did anything active as far as to get people to like him. Yep. He was just the same jerk he always was. Something bad happened to him, so we're supposed to like him? No, fuck that yeah. guy. Yeah. So <laughs> and, and like there was a big elephant in the room that they never yeah. bothered to answer, which they're then, answering it now. They're answering like. now. They're getting to it where like we actually people last night. And I don't know what the hell they were doing on Monday. Where like the, everybody screaming at the TV. 
do the fist bump, do the fist bump, <laughs> and, and then he goes, nah, never mind that. Like you, you dickheads. Like yeah, I, I don't exactly. understand. Oh, so man. this they should just came and just punch him right in the face. Just yeah. snuck out right after and just punch him right in the goddamn yeah, like, face. So, right in the back like, I trust you. Like you, t- you broke my. You literally stabbed me in the back. You broke my heart. Uh, you screwed me. You you tried to murder me. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you curb stomped my head into a, into cinder blocks and then and then bragged about it with a promo that was a eulogy the week after. And then you know, I finally come to trust you. You finally have my back. You know, I stick my I, I extend the armor branch, and you tell me hell, go to hell. Like, I should beat the hell out of you. Like Seth Rollins might as well hit the DX suck it at the top yes, of the uh, yes. at the top of the yes. uh, ramp. And then on the other, and then on the other uh, on the other brand, like their biggest, the, maybe the biggest woman star they've ever made. Like they turn, she turns face because she switched brands, not because she's anything, nothing different. She didn't have a change of heart. Like she switched brands. That's pretty much it. Nothing, nothing like as far as her character has turned her and made her actually a face. Like she still comes out and she talks to Daniel Bryan or she talks to Shane and she's kind of still the same With that annoying voice. person that she that she was when she was a heel, the heel champion for two hundred some odd days. Right. So I, I just don't like. I, I just wish like they would realize like, hey, we character development is a thing. <laughs> I mean, Charlotte. Why are Charlotte and Sasha? Good girls, fan favorites, because people like will cheer for them. That's it. I mean, as far as like because how they are portrayed, it's like that's what they are. And I mean, I know I've taken heat for for saying I think Sasha should be a heel, but she should be. She should be. Yeah, I know people want to cheer. It's like Ric Flair, where you always have that thing, but like she's more effective that way. But it's not even that she's positioned as a as a baby face. It's that they don't know how to make any. And she doesn't show any, you know, sometimes that many redeeming qualities as a baby face. The same way Charlotte doesn't. Yeah, when Becky Lynch does, she's kind of put on the back burner quite often. Oh, Bailey, we saw what happened to her. (laughs) You know, we see how they're trying to build gender. You want gender to be a baby face? And you could actually have made a gender a baby face in all of North America with the story that you could have told building them up over time. But no, you couldn't go that way. (laughs) Not only are you not building good baby faces, not building good heels either. And the good baby faces you did have, like Randy Orton, who started the year looking really good, like he could help rehab Bray Wyatt. Nah. Nope. <laughs> they finally they finally give him something at the end of the year with Rusev. Finally. And by the way, there's another guy. Who's the biggest baby face on the roster? Handsome Rusev. Yeah. And why is he a bad guy? I don't know. All he does Everybody is love his country. Rusev. Yeah. All he, all he does, look. He, he, he protects his yeah. wife. All he does Protect is have woman. people, like, do ridiculous stuff to him where he comes out and he, like, he's never, he's almost never a coward, right? And he and he always comes out and fights and wins or loss. He comes back out the next day and he's also, he's, and he's, like, in a way charming, too. Like, that dude should have been, and I remember uh, when Jim Ross wrote, like, a like, during his build, like, mm-hmm. up to uh, WrestleMania 31, he was like, why the, like, why the hell is this dude a heel? Like what have they done to make that dude a bad guy? Other than like he's a patriot for his for his for his own countries, or uh, you can say countries because you know yeah. he's a transplant or he's Bulgarian. They don't know which one. Right. Like I actually think last week or two weeks ago he was actually wearing like the Russian gear, but whatever. And then, but but like he's he, you know he's a guy that comes out he will fight you. He's not a coward. He's not necessarily a monster either. He's just a big gigantic dude shaped like a refrigerator that you know that that basically squeezes the hell out of you. And you know, she. 
Yeah, pretty much. He's a bitter Ishii. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, man. He might be a little bit more explosive as far as strikes, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just it blows me and the fact that he's not in the mix and that's the other thing too it's like back in the day at least there was like you had like your fearsome foursome of the Undertaker and Triple H and or Mick Foley and The Rock and Steve Austin and or Shawn Michaels or whatever yeah then you had the rotation in of and maybe they wouldn't be there for long but of Angle or of Benoit or of Billy Gunn they tried that with The Rock you know because people go why did they do that because you had to try because he's a big guy Vince liked him he had a rap he was popular enough so you had to try and it didn't work but you had to try like they got away from that where it's like you know what New Japan does keeping like your Godos and your Shees and guys like that you know kind of strong they're not going to win every match and they're only going to lose to the top guys like why is that not the case with Rusev? You know, why did Braun have to get knocked into a, a, a dumpster by Kalisto, even though he destroyed him afterwards? It's like, that whole robot. Like, why do you do this shit? And you've done this shit so often. doesn't make any sense. And again, it comes down with WWE. The frustration is they have everything. They got all the talent in the world, and it's I know the show is too long, but, man, they really hurt themselves creatively because so much of it doesn't mean as much as it really should. And, and it's so weird to like when we talk about the credibility thing. And like the last two weeks of television for them has been, for, given that it's five hours of TV, pretty damn good. The last two yeah. weeks, but and we're still overall talking about what the fact that they're There's still doom and gloom and overall, on the horizon. Show, the overall, the like these uh, the product is shitty. But they've done two good two good weeks. Like two weeks ain't even enough to make some think. Maybe they turn the corner. You know, maybe you know, maybe they might actually do some some really good compelling television. You know why? Once they come to football season, they have to go to head to head instead of it looking like. They just mailed it in because they know they're going to get killed in the ratings anyway. You know why? Because they've mailed it in on pay-per-view essentially since payback. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, for, for the large part. So they've still got to rebuild that, that trust with everyone on pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, Battleground was an absolute insult to everyone. Um, yeah. Especially the Punjab prison match. I went on a legendary rant, Mike. I'm not sure if you've heard it, but I will send it to you in long form. <laughs> it's basically a take on the Steve Berman um, <laughs> thing on the Eminem album. And, you know, it was, it was nuts. But uh, to be honest, like you know, the Punjabi prison, like that whole thing was so that that card was just bad. But like, I'm still me personally, I'm still tripping off the women's money in the bank match. (laughs) I still don't don't understand how they they, like screw that. Like, yeah, we're gonna we're just gonna have a garbage finish. We're gonna build it up like it's important. Have a garbage finish and then put it out the next or on Monday to sell the uh, the the show for people to tune in and then do the same thing over again except the person. Uh, that won it actually wins it this time. Maybe she just won the first time and not waste my time. <laughs> I think we're going to have a caller coming in in a second. Not sure. But uh, let's talk about uh, AJ Styles and uh, Kevin Owens with Shane McMahon. Uh, these guys, as I mentioned before, somehow AJ Styles has been stuck with Shane McMahon on a Big <laughs> Four show again. I don't know how this happens. I don't know what AJ Styles has been doing. But AJ Styles in 2017... What it's been different, Mike, than AJ Styles in 2016. What what has been the biggest you know difference you think you you've seen in him? I, the problem is you know with everything being kind of down, um, you know it doesn't feel as good. Obviously, it doesn't feel as fresh. You know we've seen him, you know, kind of in the same thing with the same guys. And again, it's nothing against them and and their work because it's always good mm-hmm. but 
unfortunately, just kind of what's they've been given and the fact that they need to extend feuds out and they've done it in some of the weakest possible ways and they get the things kind of by the seat of their pants, but they need it to continue. So it's like you have a situation like the Carmella Money in the Bank thing where it's like you use the pay-per-view to set up the show because you needed the thing to continue on. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, wait a second. It's like Larry Zbysko buying the national title from <laughs> Killer Tim Brooks, and then, like, they strip him of it, and then he goes and he wins it anyway. And it's like, okay. Like, that was uh, – you did a thing to do a thing. And that, unfortunately, it's like Nakamura. I mean, it's like people go, God, what's wrong with Nakamura? He's so much different now. It's not an NXT Nakamura. You're right. It's not an NXT Nakamura. It's not, it's New, not Japan. New Japan Nakamura. You know, it's 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 this is Nakamura, and he'll break it out for the big show when he can. But it's like, what do you want him to do with Baron Corbin? <laughs> you know, tank <laughs> here. And AJ, unfortunately, in Owens, I think they are twin sons of different mothers in the fact that they have been handcuffed to each other, and their work in the ring has been great. But unfortunately, the, the whole company right now is just kind of in a malaise, and. You know, James brought it up earlier on for five hours of programming. They actually did a pretty good job this week. But the problem is you don't remember any of it. And and so little of it is impactful where I think that's really the only change this year. He hasn't had the John Cena level of matches that you could put up on a pedestal. Unfortunately, he hasn't had that. And you know he can have them. You know, he and Owens had a good one. Right. You know, he, you know he can have really good matches, but he hasn't had, you know, the, 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 the real – you know, the shiny ones that he's had over the past couple of years. And unfortunately, it just feels like one big, you know, it's like almost one big waiting game. You know, there's been Brock Lesnar after WrestleMania and you've had the rise of Braun and that's been pretty good. And you've done, you know, there, it's not like everything has been horrible, but unfortunately it's just, it feels like you're just kind of walking through quicksand right now. Yeah. Like, you know, as you quicksand, but I don't know if tar, whatever would be holding (laughs) you up a little bit. I mean, you're still moving forward, but boy, it's like, it's like cold molasses or something. It's just really sticky. You're, you're trying to run in water. Like, yeah, like, like running quick. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I was... Um, in the wind. Like, you know, me, me and Rich, we both uh, listen to Observer Live almost religiously. So... God bless you. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> We're I, trying to keep your pockets fat, Mike. Yeah, and we also... Oh, my also, God, please, we, man, because I gave up, a uh, like, an actual real job so I could work overnights, get no sleep, be away from my family, make no money whatsoever just so I can hear myself on the radio and live out the dream that I couldn't get to because why go to school? <laughs> you know, what am I going to college for? Wow. But, but, like, the one, one of the things that we also enjoy is, like, you and um you and Alvarez, like, literally, like, getting derailed because y'all are just being petty with each other. That's fantastic. <laughs> he ain't shit, is he? That motherfucker is not shit, and he, he is... <laughs> Of the straw man arguments, he is, he just will, he is Mr. Radio because it's like, and just to get that little nasal thing going, and like, I'm the new Japan expert. And it's like, well, just come on. And then, like, he'll read some bullshit text that didn't really take place that, like, buries me. And it's like, like, I'm killing myself for this. Can you give me some credibility here? But he likes to, he likes to embrace debate. Skip Bayless, Brian Alvarez. Oh, man. Uh, Brian, if you're listening, you, you know, know, you're welcome to come defend your own site. So I'm safe. Yeah. Okay. Now the best part is like last time he he, he shot he shot on uh, on Lawler, saved him by the PEDs, and then this time he's going around he's killing him. Looks like we got a call coming in from Dave Fenichel. 
Yeah, but like my my my, my point originally was. Hey Dave, turn the show off if you can, because we hear it in yeah. the background, or turn it yeah. down. Well, my point originally, I uh, will bring it up. Uh, the sh- uh, your show was that one of the things that Alvarez talks about that I really, uh, um, really like think it makes so much sense is the fact that like he says the reason why the car feel like it feels like we're in a weird spot is because you look at the top of the car and who has the belts especially on SmackDown, and it's like, well, what do you do here? Like, we have put Nakamura and Cena on a, on a number one contendership match for the pay-per-view when, like, that match is clearly a bigger draw than than whatever uh, gender would be will be doing. So, right. like, yeah, we, it's it's a weird spot, but... Let's take a call. Um, Dave, what's going on, man? We got a call, caller uh, on the air. What's going on, Dave? Gentlemen, how are you doing? Excellent, right. man. How about you? I'm fantastic. I'm so, glad. Uh, I'm glad. Well, Dave. Well, first off, I'm glad to see that on your on your article that you actually made uh, for SummerSlam main events that you ranked the the right one as the t- as the top ones. I'm, so congratulations. Well, well, you know, as much as I enjoyed trolling Rich on a semi weekly basis <laughs> to tell him that Brian versus Cena was going to be at the bottom, there really was only one clear choice, and and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will talk about it next. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna think next Sunday, but like we're gonna have to have a talk about about uh, the, the uh, Cena versus. I'm sorry, not Cena, but Team WWE versus Team Nexus being higher than. Uh, is it is it higher than uh, than Brett versus Bulldog? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that one. I'm, I'm more than happy to defend any of my selections at nauseum. So what's going on, Dave? What, what brings you on, man? You know, I just hear a tremendous amount of negativity regarding SummerSlam, and shockingly enough, I don't understand it. So okay. uh, I was hoping I could be the, the voice of reason for, for a minute or two. Okay. And, uh, you guys don't mind humoring me. What's the one thing that the internet wrestling community has been begging and asking for on the big four pay-per-views? I don't know. For not to be four hours? Not from the suck. For it to be better, clear booking decisions for clean finishes. I think I know where he's clean going. Clean finishes, maybe. Clean finishes is a good I, I, one. I, I think I know all, where he's all, going. All negativity and hostility aside, have you guys not been harping <laughs> on the overwhelming use of part timers forever? Yes, and right. that's exactly where you were going with it. So, so we finally have a big two pay per view that is almost completely devoid of part timers. Doesn't that signify a tremendous step in the right direction in your eyes? No. Um, Mike, I'll let, it, you, I'll let you take okay. it, Mike. Hold on. Go ahead, Mike. It's, no, here's why. I, I don't I don't agree with that because I think you use the, you're supposed to use part-timers as a stopgap while you creatively come up with things for other people and, and get it moving forward. And what have we gotten new here? I mean, I guess we've gotten Big Show and Big Cass in, in the breakup <laughs> of Cass and Enzo. That's new. But reality is, even though New Day and Usos are crazy entertaining, we've seen this a zillion times. Even though Orton's with Rusev now, well, okay, we're, we're finally giving Orton something new, and I'm excited about them wrestling at SummerSlam because I like them both, but the reality is there's still a thought in the back of my mind that says this is going to be used to continue on to move this thing further, which is a problem. AJ Styles and Kevin Owens has got the specter of Shane McMahon. And Shane playing into to Kevin Owens. And again, the match itself is going to be great, but we've seen it a lot. And we still have the specter of Shane McMahon, which I don't think people love. Jinder and Shinsuke, it depends, I guess, on what you think of Jinder. But I, I see what you're saying, and I, and I do understand it. And if you're that's how you feel, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be able to probably change your mind. But I don't think that this show 
just because there's not a whole lot of part time uh, part timers on it, or we may be moving away from one uh, by the, the you know with Brock Lesnar that that makes everything okay because. Again, I don't know how Nia being in the title picture is, is, and I like Nia. She shouldn't be in the the picture right now. That's not okay. Naomi and Natalia has been a few that has been criminally, I think, you know, it, to me it's been rather underwhelming, and it's played second fiddle to other women on that same brand. So what does it really mean? I just, and I don't, again, I don't mean to sound negative. I just need WWE to prove it to me at SummerSlam with a with a drop dead card with really good stuff going forward that. They did it, and unfortunately, it's hard for me to get hyped going into them. So, so let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I, I understand your point in that a lot of the matches might not have been hyped to the extent that you know you would expect on a big four or big two pay per view. But can we not agree that the direction that the booking is going in is going to lead to a lot of very satisfying results on uh, on the day of the show? Let's let, let's go down the. Uh, well, hold, hold on, here. hold on, Dave. So you said, will we, be, will we believe that? My thing is, like, what have they put on TV this year that will let the, the lead? I mean, obviously, you're the, you're the eternal optimist. But given what they've done on TV this year, why would we suggest that they would, like, do better than what they've done already? <laughs> and well, as actually, and before you where, answer, just as a little, like, I put a little extension onto that, too. With as many bad cards and bad results as we've had, like the Battleground card, is it not fair to say if you're a fan, not just an Internet fan, but really your casual fan, most of which has eroded really badly and you're down to just the hardcores, are you filling the needs of both the casual and the hardcore fan with some of the stuff that you've done? And should should those fans, if they are cynical, don't they have a right to be? Well, yeah, of course they have a right to be. But then again, you know, I think we've got to look on the side of, like, you know, the the people who are cynical are probably the types that are always going to be cynical of the WWE product strictly for the fact that it's the WWE product. But I think that's, that you really got that's, to look at Hold on, that's not fair. And the reason why I'm saying, I'll, I'll just, and I'm sorry to jump on you again, is just because I do observe her live where it is a more mainstream crowd that listens to that show that is heavy WWE. And, and they have, have, many of them have felt the same way where, Again, it's not it's not about not liking WWE. I mean, I watch everything. I want WWE to be great, but the reality is it it hasn't been. And again, I again I, I promise I won't cut you off anymore, but I just I think the it's not really about hating WWE or being a hater to WWE. Maybe I'm missing these people online, you know, or not I'm not paying as, as much attention to them as, as maybe they want me to, but like I, those people probably won't be happy with anything, but I think the average person wants it to be good. It's just not, oftentimes. Well, go ahead, Dave. Sure. So, my my once once again, kind of just to double back to to SummerSlam because we could take a big picture argument and I could train wreck the entire show, and that's definitely not my intention to do that. <laughs> but uh, you know, strictly from from the purposes of SummerSlam, let's just let's just talk about some of these matches in specific, right? Okay. What do we want out of our main event? In my opinion, we're looking for something that has big names, big fight appeal, and we're looking for something with a little bit of unpredictability. Don't we have that with this main event? Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Unquestionably. Okay, so so the issue is clearly not with the main event, right? No, no. I mean, if there was... Well, listen, if there was any critique for the... Uh, for the the main event four way is that they may they may have too much damn uh, 
star power spread, uh, especially given that it's a four-hour card, four-and-a-half-hour card. Uh, yeah. So, like, that, like it might be too good. That would be the only critique, which so means it's awesome. So, so, so good. Clearly, we're not, we're not, our issue is not with the main event. Let's go down to the co-main event, right? I like Jinder Mahal. You guys all hate Jinder Mahal. We've talked I about this. Do not, yeah. I do not hate Jinder Mahal. I think he is a perfect, like, I am not, I'm not in the same um, category as Rich. I think that the matches, like the match he had on SmackDown just this past week with Orton and the second match, because um, I did not watch the first match because I was basically stuck in the NBA playoffs, like on a, on a binge, but I thought those matches were perfectly acceptable main event matches for giving the, their their shows. I thought, but I think, you know, I think his promos are just repetitive. But I mean, I don't. I'm not really down on. I'm not really down on him. So, so can we at least agree that the majority of the people currently watching are dying for him to lose the title? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Sorry for the really <laughs> that was it when you did that. Sorry. Can we agree that Shinsuke Nakamura represents a fresh face? That would be a, uh, a completely new direction at the top of the card for SmackDown. You bet. Yeah. Can we agree now, that if the WWE wanted, uh, if the purpose was to continue Jinder Mahal's title reign and to make him look good coming out of SummerSlam, John Cena would have been a far better option than Jinder, or than Shinsuke Nakamura to be squared off against? Yes. Okay. So can we agree that the reason they're putting Shinsuke in here is not to continue Jinder's title reign and to continue to make him look good, but rather that they've decided to go in another direction, and the most likely outcome here is a very convincing Shinsuke win. We cannot guarantee that no. based on what WWE no. has done on pay-per-view. And, I feel like we're walking straight into a disqualification. And, one, and one of the weird things about the about the star power of this of uh, the card that we were talking about overall was structurally, if you swap out, I mean, if you move on from, um, if you look at where we were like maybe two, three weeks ago, you had potential to have. Nakam or Nakamura versus AJ for the U.S. title um, because they te- that's something they actually teased. So mm-hmm. it, was, it wasn't like something that would be sloppy yeah, thrown together. It, it was something that was actually teased it, on TV. And it, it is not something we made up. Cena, yeah, right. <laughs> Cena, yeah, we did Facebook because they did this. This is their own their TV. You had um, not you had John Cena going against foreign foreign heel champion, which is they which you know they love them some of that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you also had opportunity. Instead, uh, to, to go and do a Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens feud, but instead they decided to go with Rusev versus Orton. They decided to go with uh, a, the third match of a you know, given what's what we've seen up until now has been a disappointing feud between AJ and uh, and Kevin Owens. Owens. And then we have Corbin out of nowhere. Basically, the whole feud is Corbin versus Cena because Cena made the save for Corbin. Um, after Cor- after uh, Nakamura kicked his, or kneed his face off, yes, and then now and then the title and then the title match with, with a guy that you know a lot of people in their eyes, a lot of fans don't 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 believe he should have the belt. And then you look at for me, I mean for a lot of people, don't, the other guy is a guy that's probably not ready to have the belt yet, right? So like that's what that was the alternative. They could have done this, and this card could have been, you know, on paper. More, maybe potentially more intriguing as far as star power of the card. This is where we ended up at. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, let me add this to this as well too. You know, yes, I would like for them to actually go in a different direction, and that doesn't mean you would have to put Jinder Mahal to the sidelines. You can continue to try to build him, get him more comfortable in his skin, because I don't blame Jinder. You know, nope. he was was placed into a position, and I think in some ways he has doggy paddled and kept his head above water the best he possibly can. 
I think he needs to continue to work and get better. He needs to do it a lot faster, and he needs to get a lot more comfortable quick if he wants to maintain a position and, and the credibility. But I think I think people do respect the fact that he's been able to hang in there somewhat. And you don't have to kill him if he loses to Shinsuke, but I think where you're going to kill some fans is if you're using this to put the title on Baron Corbin. And I think that scene of Baron Corbin match, if Baron Corbin ends up winning, I think you're going to have a lot of fans with a lot of agita, especially if Nakamura wins, that are going to be staring up that ramp. And again, that's not necessarily fantasy booking. That's just what happens when you have a guy out there with the money in the bank briefcase, especially when you look at what WWE historically does when they run somebody down, when they lose a lot, but they're still in the mix, when they get talked down to by a guy like John Cena, but they're still in the mix. The fact that he may remain in the mix after this. I, again, I don't know if what you've seen out of Baron Corbin, maybe you love him, you know, but to be honest, the specter of that looming over things at SummerSlam, that's not a great option to me. Dave, you want to hop back in there? Yeah, so, so you know, so what I'm hearing in the overwhelming theme that I'm getting from you guys is not what's right in front of our face. It's a general lack of trust on a WWE to get it right even though the majority of the evidence shows that they're going to go down a certain path. Is that a fair assumption? I don't well, know that that necessarily shows that. Like, I'm sorry, what was the question I again? Just... So, 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 you know, what, what I'm getting from you as I, I kind of walk through the, the uh, situation, because uh-huh. I, I do, I strongly believe that um, it would be completely illogical on the WWE's part to insert Nakamura in this match if they did not plan on having him win. And what I'm what I'm hearing from you guys is that although that seems to be the 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 the, the side of logic, you don't have faith in the WWE doing the right thing here, and that's where most of your angst comes from. Well, my my oh, sorry, as far as me right now, given the card that we are given and going forward, I don't think it's I don't think it's the right time for Nakamura to win. Because, like, they just got done. They have a guy right now who's, who's, you know, like, he's struggling and he's not doing what they wanted him to do because they hot-shot him the title. I mean, granted, he uh, Nakamura's on a lot better foundation than going from jobber to main event real quick. Right. But, like, this isn't, like, I don't think it's the time. I mean, this really is, in early. my opinion, it's really I, early. I think it's early. Like, if this was something that we were heading towards for, I mean, given that he's, the way he started out on TV, I'm just looking at TV, and I'm like, I don't think this is the time yet. Like, if you would have done, like, him challenging for the title, like, almost as soon as he came up, it might have felt better than it would right now, strangely. Like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. No, you know, you, like, you're already, like, he's already over. He's already over, like, a, like, when you buzz links to that crowd reaction, may as well make him champion now and then figure it out after that, is what you're saying? Why not? I mean, because, you know, when they build dudes, I mean, they do have some issues where, like, certain things kind of get out of whack at times. Like, the Bailey thing was out of whack. Like, she won the title before she was, I mean, she was over, she was over to a certain extent, and then. The stuff she was doing on TV, she became less likable, less likable, and she won the title and became less likable, less likable, and look where we are now. Um, the same can be said for Finn. Like, the whole Demon King thing, like, that was that, and you also had uh, Seth running him down saying, like, I'm younger than you, I did, I, I achieved more than you have, than you have in this company, I'm, a, I'm bigger than you, and I'm better than you, like... You, you know, there's an old school saying like the Jim Cornettes and all the old old heads, old timers talk about like you don't want your, your you don't want your heel to run down your baby face with the truth because people are gonna start looking at it and be like, huh, 
Maybe he's he, right. He, maybe he's right. So, Mike, you want to hop in there? I was like, you know, just because like, again, and I and I like Dave's positivity. I, yeah. I do. And when you again, you look at the match on paper, and you go New Day Usos, and you look at Finn and Wyatt. No matter what you think of the Wyatt character, but dude can go, you know. And Styles and Owens and Neville and Tozawa, you know. Again, if, unless it's given like three minutes, it's going to be good. And even if they give those two three minutes, they still make three minutes good somehow. You know, Bliss Banks is something that a lot of people, you know, are probably excited over the thought of. And look, the main event. And a lot of times, again, it's not it's not the matches. It's the, the finishes that, that you have a problem with. But, yeah. you know, Finn and Bray Wyatt, there's a good example of, again, on paper it looks good. Mm-hmm. But it's like outside of the entrance, because I'm assuming we're going to get the demon is probably going to come back to face Bray Wyatt. You know what I mean? It would make perfect sense if that were to happen. But like, if you, after the intro, what do you got? And it sucks because I think Bray Wyatt is really talented. And I mean, for a a guy, his size can go and there's a lot to like about that character, but it's like, man, you know, I'm still giving it some leeway. Most other people aren't. And it's like, so again, once that's done, Again, again, again. Maybe I'm extrapolating out too much, but it's yeah. just, it's really tough. Again, with what they've given us to to be, to be as enthralled and to to go into it again is is you know saying, all right, take me, you know, take me on this journey. You know, you're a little bit. I'm. It's hard to not pull up on the reins a little bit. Yeah, and this is what you brought up as far as the whole part of you know enthusiasm and then compared to thinking of like what they're going to possibly do. He just mentioned the Banks in um, in Bliss match. We might not get the Banks in Bliss match. We might get Nia um, versus Bliss. And and this and then you know and then we'll look up and be like, wait wait a second. You mean to tell me that they spent two years? Um, or we get to SummerSlam and be like, they spent literally two years putting over the four horsemen at four, four horsewomen as being like their next stars of the women's generation. They actually made Sasha a star. They actually made Charlotte a star. They were on the way to making Bailey a star before they messed it up. Right? And you mean to tell me we're going to go back to, we're going to have a card with no, not a single horsewoman on the card? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> why, why is Becky Lynch not on every show possible? Oh like, my gosh, she's like, just great. There's one of your, your pure baby faces that whether yes. you like her in the ring or not, or you like her hair color or whatever it is, like or you like her puns, like, I mean, she to me, she's a fire starter. And, you know, why, and again, nothing against Natalia. I don't want to to, to to slide on her or anything, but it's like, you know, why is Becky not in this mix? Whether it's a good, you know, good girl bag, or who cares? Maybe. I'd like to see her and Naomi. I don't, I don't need to see heel and Natalia redo for the millionth time. Yeah. And I like Natalia, but I'm, I'm done with this. You know, I'm, I'm moving on from this. You know, where, where, why is she not in the mix? And it's just one of those things where, again, She's a great baby face. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> you know? And to me, it, it seems like they decided with um, with the women's SmackDown match and the uh, the women's SmackDown title match and also the um, WWE title match that they've almost, like, positioned, like, what, what, with the matchups, it, like, the, the, the looming, the fact that, like, both Money in the Bank's cash-ins are available. Like, those seem more interesting than the actual matchups. The champion, the title matchup is like, why would, I don't understand. Why Why would that be, why would you make that the where, like, the cash-in will be, will be, like, more interesting than actual the match? You know what I'm saying? Like, the championship matches. Like, it's weird. 
All right, let's get to a couple questions we got what submitted from... Uh, Dave dropped off. It was a connection issue. So he's still uh, inside the um, okay. comment Okay, to make sure that uh, it didn't sound like we were just like, you know, like ganging up on him. <laughs> Dave, let us know. Um, so what we've got, uh, we got a question from Simon Cotton. He's asking, is it too late for WWE to turn this year around or is 2017 just written off as the, one of the worst? Is this really, in fact, one of the worst years? I mean, it's not been a great year. Look, since, not been a, since we've started back watching in 2011, I would say this is the worst year. Really? Yes. Well, I, this is what I will say. It's August. We're like over 20 days into the year. Like, we're, you know, there's only like so many, there's only like four months left. So, unless they do something fantastic during his, what is historically like the worst time of the year, chances are this is, you might as well go ahead and chop this one up. Or write it in pen, pencil at least. Ink it in gold, you Ink know, gold, as, like, as, yeah, as Cam dude. Newton would say. <laughs> Mike, uh, you, you gotta, you gotta um, take on that one. Did we lose Mike? Maybe we did. Live radio. Everybody. There it goes. Hold oh, on. There now. He is. Okay. <laughs> I mute myself. <laughs> if the, uh, I think if the shows were not so long and raw was not so long and we haven't atrophied fan wise to the point we've been we've been at i don't think it would feel that bad because i think they've done some good stuff but i think the overall drag i think the the malaise that came after wrestlemania and and the the buzz that was dropped and they lost so many subscriptions and again there's always that post wrestlemania hangover thing but like this year like the hard drop didn't feel as bad but it just feels they've just been underwater. And I think it's the lack of money matches, at least in the past couple of years, they've been able to point to like Brock and, and yeah. Reigns and Rollins, or you had AJ and Cena, or you had Cena and Owens, or you had, you know what I'm saying? You, right. you had like these, or, these, these shiny matches and, and some shows that were pretty good. And like, they've been in a holding pattern all year. And it's like, the best WWE matches are arguably uh, done in bait and DIY and the revival yeah. and the authors of pain. And it's like, On the that's the UK show in NXT. Yeah. The like, best matches aren't booked. Yeah. A, a lot of the time yeah, now well, like, in WWE. Yeah. Like, like, like Mike, I was mentioning this to James. AJ Styles has been with WWE for a year and a half now, right? Yeah. We're not any yeah. closer to AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins than we were on day one, yeah. essentially. No, yeah, yeah. no, and uh, of course I have the, the brands and stuff like that. And again, it's it's like, why you know AJ Styles can make anybody look good. Yeah. So why you know and again it's a problem with seat of your pants booking where it's not like Ginger's had to take a rise and then had a couple of things with AJ Styles. You know what I mean? And 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 was helped out there. You know we've had AJ and Owens for the most part. We had AJ and who did we, who did we have? Because we've had Miz and Ambrose repeatedly for Ooh, God knows how. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's just, again, it's the lack of, and Brian talks about this all the time, putting your best guys against each other and, and make them the champions, but also to do what New Japan and what other promotions do because they kind of have to do it, which is you, you just put your strong guys against each other. And when you do do that, don't don't make it harder than it is. Pro wrestling's not that goddamn hard. Yeah. And when you put bugs in the fucking ring and when you... <laughs> You do shit. You do too. Again, it's. I understand trying to be innovative and forward thinking, but it's like 
just let these motherfuckers go sometime and wrestle and tell a story. Let Owens and, and, and Jericho and Styles and let those guys, Cena, take the reins off of them and let them friggin' go and get creative. They just, unfortunately, with the structure they're under, doesn't allow them to do that. And it just, unfortunately, in times where it's not great, it just, it, it really makes the stifle strong, especially when all that talent is there just waiting to bust out. And all of the multi-man matches. All of them. And I mean, you know me, I'm, I've said this for a while now. Like the up, best, One of the best things that they've done, you know, over the last few years is the multi-man match. Whether it's been Money in the Bank matches, whether it's been multi-man ladder matches, whether it's been um, eight-man, whether it's been like, you know, fatal four-ways, triple threats. They, you know, they tend to, those tend to be the best matches WWE puts on. But at the expense of, you know, the quality of the matches, like there has been a lack of storytelling because you can't. It's it's just really impossible to get over characters and motivations of four people all at once, and unless you're just gonna have that be like literally the entire show. Mm-hmm. And you know, they I think they've done a pretty good job with um, the main event for SummerSlam because there's interconnect, there's an interconnectedness of you know everybody hates each other's guts, which is good, but that's not that's the, that's the exception to the rule. Typically, it's like the five way that they did for the for contendership a couple months back, where it's just like, oh, throw them all together, They'll, whatever. <laughs> They'll figure it out. And it's like, you, know, and it, you don't even have to hate each other. It doesn't have to be a blood feud. But I mean, like when wrestling was like at its strongest in the eighties, in, in like look at like Crockett, it, it's like Ric Flair is feuding with Dusty, and they're both feuding with Nikita. Mm-hmm. And Nikita's got Ivan with him, trying to show him the ropes, and yet they're bucking up with the Road Warriors. But they still got the Rock and Roll Express, who got to deal with the Midnight Express. And the Midnight Express, they like the Horsemen. They don't trust the Horsemen because they're, you know, they're twin teams of different mothers, and, and they, they both know they'll stab each other in the back. And then it's like, and all these things tied together because and, these were guys competing for prizes, and, and these were guys competing yeah. for glory and for sport and there's where the losing the sporting aspect and losing that that level out of it where you're really going hard after a goal and they prove like with brock lesnar what they prove sometimes when john cena's got the belt off and when you it's it's not that hard to to fix it and and people will fall behind it you know whether it be rock and brock remember that build up to that feud was just you know, it was like it was pure sport, and right. it was like yeah. The Rock trying to get into shape, and Brock and the Brock, you know, you know, overpowered him, and and ended up winning the belt, or I forget exactly, you know, how that thing went down, but it was like, you know, it shows you can still be a pure pure sports. It worked on a smaller scale in TNA with with Samoa Joe and with Kurt Angle. It's like it, people will gravitate to that, and I understand it's WWE. You're not trying to be all sport all the time, but when you go back to taking those tenants that that like those poles that built wrestling. And you incorporate them back in and take them seriously again. It may not happen overnight, but it'll make everything mean a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah. So and you were talking about like you know just you know going up against people and you know there's a, there's like something there can always be something there. And there were uh, as far as like why somebody would turn each other and not believe or you know or not want to completely trust each other like you're talking about midnight and, uh, and the horsemen mm-hmm. the horsemen didn't trust each other at all like you know how fast they turned on, on, on Ole Anderson and then, call, <laughs> and then they started talking about his kid like yeah like we, we don't we it's don't really have that type of situation where it's just logical we're like look they can they can just mention one thing and like the next week and then like four uh, you know a month down the road all of a sudden and be like oh remember when that happened like just the subtle stuff like macho man and and Hogan oh like the subtle gosh. stuff with, with, with Elizabeth that made that man go over the edge and snap yeah. 
Yeah, but people remember like about the like they remember like Tully saying Oli's kid was snot nosed and and Oli slapped him and you know that then they put the boots to him he's out. But yeah. it's like they did things to lead up to that where everybody put their hand out, but Oli couldn't reach. He was getting kind of edged out because JJ's fat ass was in the way, and it was like, <laughs> why did that happen? It's like one of those seeds that was you know planted that an eagle eye caught, but it's like. Again, you sometimes have to retrain people, but when you do stuff like that and you adhere to it and you don't get away from it, again, it not not everything is going to hit. Not everything right. is going to be perfect, but you do build a level of stability back and a level of credibility back with these people and these stories that, hey, look, I'll, it's wrestling. I'll take a wacky story. Yeah. Elias Sampson walking out makes me laugh. The fashion <laughs> files coming out make me laugh. But like, Ailed as long folks. as there's some stake to that sizzle... You know, th- th- yeah. that that's what I need. I still need to, to finish it off, and I'm looking for dessert afterwards, too. Yeah. And, uh, well, one more, we need to get to you. Yeah, we got like, Yeah, like, the one thing that, that like, I really liked about um, SmackDown last week, probably my favorite thing of the entire uh, wrestling week that they put on for WWE was when they went back in the WWE Network, and they had Shane and AJ and um, Kevin Owens out there, and, they, and, and Owens' whole motivation is, we can't trust you. Mm-hmm. You're a snake. You're a McMahon. We see in your work. And he's like, well, I'm the good McMahon. Oh, oh, really? Pops up the network and shows him screw Austin <laughs> in the 88. Uh, in the 88 uh, uh, or 98, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, 98. And I was like, that's fantastic. That's smart. That's a callback. Then when people were there, you know, like, maybe, you know, you're young, you're 20 years old, and you never you even saw that or whatever because you were one years old. Yeah. But, like, you can go back. That's that that saw, that saw your network that got over the fact that, like, Maybe you shouldn't trust Shane. Maybe Shane yep. is maybe Shane is a faker, and you know your heel isn't some ridiculous straw man of a person that's a lunatic that's just like, oh, I hate you because I'm I, I hate you and I'm illogical because I can get away with it because I'm a heel. It's like there's actually some credence to this dude's not trustworthy. We, right. we, yes. we we we've seen your movies, bro. <laughs> yes, and that's the thing with heels too. I mean, one of the things that you you hate about heels is oftentimes. There's a level of credibility to what they say. I mean, Ric Flair would go out there and back it up. Tully Blanchard would back it up. You wanted to kill him, mm-hmm. but but there would be times where I mean, there was always a level of truth, you know, interloped to what he said because Dusty Rhodes may have vengeance yeah. or, or whatever it would be. And again, when you they don't have to be, again, they don't have to be presented as a hero or anything like that. But there still needs to be some legitimate beef, which makes you hate them more because sometimes. They're right, and you really want to see him get punched in the face sometimes when they're right. He brought me pain and agony, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, Macho Man was a right? Like, look, dude, like, you have stepped on all my wife. I'm going to bust your head to the white meat. Yeah. You know, like, yes. as opposed to now, you know, like, a couple years ago, we have, like, Seth Rollins calling himself the man, you know, to it's just for heat. Meanwhile, like, he's a champion. He loses 19 times straight. Like <laughs> That's ridiculous. What? what are y'all doing? <laughs> so, so let's get to the to the last question. Um, the uh, Simon also at, s- submitted this, so uh, shout out to Simon for uh, giving us this, this here content, uh, which we always need. Um, he said, which SummerSlam has been the best of the last decade of WWE? He says, 2007 until now. Mm. The last Ooh. decade. Hmm. I gotta go, but hold on. Let me look here. Let's see. I got a couple of the cards pulled up. Well, so. I, I tell you what, you there, know, Punk and Cena. Let me look at this card because, like that, that main event 
Mm-hmm. Well, that was with Triple H as the, the guest referee, so that wouldn't have been that one. And Del Rio cashed in the money in the bank, so that's not what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah that's 2000, That's 2011. Yeah, yeah. There's um, I, I would say there are four that meet the kind of mind: the 08 year, the 2013, 14, and 15. I would say those were ones that immediately come to mind. I think 12 was pretty good aside from the main event too. Yeah, Bra- oh, that's right, Brock and Triple H in yeah. that. Yeah, that was in yep. that fake retirement Triple H match. Well, yeah. you know, well, you got to remember also the second big card, the second big match on that card is a triple threat with Big Show. Yeah, and then they go to overtime because they both slam submission on the Big Show. Yeah, between Owens and I'm sorry, between <laughs> Cena and um and, and CM Punk. Um, yeah, and thirteen says thirteen suffers that like because Daniel Bryan and Cena was great, but then Orton. Cash in on Brian. That was like the the buzz kill there, and especially at the time, thinking that it's like okay, well, let's see, they've shuffled Daniel Bryan out of the mix too. That was a buzz kill for a lot of people. So, you know that that's you know kind of what I remember just like taking a peek at that show. But like fourteen you know, is pretty good too. Don't sleep. Like you, you get uh, that Lesnar Cena. You got Reigns Orton, Stephanie you know, McMahon, Reed the, Bella. You, you know, got the greatest lumberjack match of all right. time. But you know, I hate that main event. Like it's it's little it's sixteen minute squash match where, where Brock Lesnar is literally see, literally at time. I love that. He, but here's the thing. I, I love that so damn much. I watched that match live and I'm sitting like, okay. So it's six it's like sixteen minutes, six seconds, and then I'm I was literally one time, the second time going around watching, thinking maybe I'm the one tripping. I, I like I hated the match, but I watched it again and I'm sitting there like I literally got to a point where I was like, Okay, I'm gonna start this match again a third time and I'm going to and I'm going to literally like on, on, a, on the timer, press stop and start every time Brock Lesnar is standing up over the top of him, sitting around not doing anything or any, or no, he's not throwing strikes or suplexes or knees, right? And like literally in that match, of a six minute match, of a 16 minute match, he stood over the top doing absolutely nothing for 10 minutes in that match. I was like, nah, I'm, not, I'm never, and, I, and then I thought, like, bro, this is a bad precedent where we're going to have matches where he just dominates people and like this. He did say and sure this. enough, what happened? Yep. He's having matches like that where he's squashing. He's in a uh, freaking match at WrestleMania with Dean Ambrose. And he basically squashes him, like him a in a no DQ match, street fight. Yes, you can beat that man with well, a weapon. Like, <laughs> I mean, but let's be real about this here. Let's be fair about this. Now, in real in real life, he probably should have given Dean Ambrose more. It is a pro wrestling match. That's true. But come on, man. You tell me in a street fight if this was reality and you gave Brock Lesnar weapons as crazy ass as Dean Ambrose is, unless you gave that man a weapon in his hand, and even then, you know, should have given him a gun. Hit, if you hit Brock, <laughs> Brock's like a, a character out of the Mike Tyson Punch Out game. You hit Brock on the chin, you might put him down, but unless you do that, he's like King Hippo style. If he doesn't open himself up to you. He's gonna hurt you, so I would say that that is realistic. And I'll say this about that match: I thought that was so faster. I thought that was so interesting and innovative. Honestly, to to do that because it was like it was a Bruno thing. Like the last time something had happened like that was when Bruno beat the brakes off of I forget who it was, uh, uh, Hans Mortier or whoever it was. When when you know it was a complete squash like that. But I mean. I thought that was great. And remember, you had Lesnar coming off of dumb losses. You had that weird thing with Cena retired but didn't really retire. You remember that? You know, you had the, the him losing to Triple H. So it was like they hadn't they hadn't done, I don't think, the right thing with Lesnar leading into that. But I That's thought true. that I thought was great. I, I thought, again, you see how everything shook out. But to give the credibility to Brock Lesnar and the thing that anything could happen, to throw Cena like that, I thought that was a good idea. Man, I, I, I'll tell y'all this, though, about that Brock Lesnar and Cena match. 
I bet everyone feels a lot different if Daniel Bryan takes that ass woman instead. Yep. Yep. <laughs> another, 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 thing about, another thing about like that whole 2014 year for Lesnar, just like, okay, you guys, he comes in the company the night after WrestleMania 28, and he's over, and he cuts those, those MMA-style promos, and they're fantastic, and he lays out uh, Cena first night back in, and then they have to pull apart after he after Cena slaps him, and he split and he busts his mouth, uh, Cena's mouth open, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking this is fantastic, this is incredible, and they have that incredible match, and you know that was my first time really into you know because I was a lapsed fan from two from after WrestleMania 2000 up to um, the, the pipe bomb, so this is my first time ever seeing Lesnar for real. I'm like, my God, this dude's incredible, mm-hmm. and then they beat him. <laughs> Did we listen to Brian recently? Yeah, I've heard someone this. Yeah. Like they beat him. He's like, you'll never have another dude like this ever. You have a legitimate dude that's over to the crowd. Is is a draw for for casual fans, and you beat him his first night in. And then from starting off from that point to where like he breaks, he's in a few with uh, from Triple H from there on forward, and he keeps breaking this dude's arm. He gets to the match of summer at WrestleMania, and he has and Triple H has to get his win back. So you did mm-hmm. so much damage to Lesnar. That to, the way that you guys fix it is break the streak, break the streak, and then squash your top guy in your company. Yeah. Um, so my my answer is still going to be fourteen, just because I, I love that lumberjack match. Ziggler and Miz had a great opener. Paige and AJ Lee actually, uh, you know, had a decent match. Uh, and I'm not mm. an AJ Lee fan at all. Um, mm. Rusev and Swagger had had a match when the whole world was. A flag match? It was a flag match, but yep. it, it was <laughs> it was the old flag match where it was just a regular rules match essentially. But that's when people were dying for Jack Swagger to beat this man. I remember that summer. Rusev was so good at the, uh, during the summer going towards like once he got the point where like he was a legitimate a, a legitimate guy that was squashing like squashing like people that weren't just geeks. Yep. Like. Like, the, the thing with Big E was really good. The thing with Mark Henry was really good. The Big E match for it, that was a slobber knocker of a match. Uh, that was, like, in the, in the fall of that year, later on after in um, 2014. That, like, he, Russo did a lot of good work. And he, then he came out on the tank, like, Master P. Yes, body, body, yes. And then, like, I don't know what they've done since then. <laughs> like, like that's, that's something we've been saying on this show, Mike, for, for the longest time. Like, you know... That man's a Rusev is an honorary no limit soldier, you know. <laughs> Yo, I was showed up with a tank. I was at the Verizon Center. That we went to we went to Nitro the day that they rolled out Master P, and they had the press conference oh, at the Verizon God. Center that had two people there that they planted there, like legit. They were going to actually have a press conference and nobody showed up. Oh my God! And then try to play it off like they weren't trying to have one. We would to introduce Master P and all those dudes and. And Brad Armstrong in that mix as well too, and it was like, Booty man, it's not gonna play in DC. And, and you got them getting booed out of the building now. You know this thing isn't gonna take off anywhere else, especially the further south you go. And yeah. boy, did that turn out right. Yeah, yeah. It should have put. They should have uh, picked Cash Money. It might have worked. Well, what year was this again? Ninety nine. Cash money was still too young. The thing was, like, you got to remember. Like, Bling Bling hadn't like, taken off yet? Exactly. Like, the okay. thing was, like, cash money, like, you know, like, 99, like, when, 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 like, 500 Degrees came out, it came out in 98. But, like, 99 was when, like, the second single, Bad Dad Asshole, came out. And that was when they really blew when they were on TRL and all that kind of stuff. But it was only just juvenile. It wasn't, yeah, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like, the block, like, Block is Hot from Wayne wasn't, like, uh, some national hit. And to be honest, like, you look at No Limit, so, no limit thing, like No Limit was completely a regional right. brand. Like, right. 
Like, we didn't give a fuck about no uh, no limit like in Massachusetts. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, what's this ice cream man shit? Right. <laughs> and I imagine, I imagine y'all were like, wait a second. So these are southern these are southern dudes that are rapping over like West Coast sounding beats. What the fuck is this? Yeah. I couldn't handle that, man. I couldn't handle the outcast out fucking accent for the longest time. I was so stuck in New York and DC. I'm still like the old man who's still like angry fucking disco or fucking go go went away, and, and then nobody listens to that anymore, <laughs> you know. But it's just like it took me so long to try to come around to like I don't understand what these motherfuckers are saying. And I just pushed wow. against it, like associated with like my that Miami sound and everything else. Like no, nah, if it's coming from South of Virginia. I, I just can't do it. Wow. It took a long time to come around to that. Like I've never like to me like I mean I grew born and raised like I'm, I'm, from, I'm from Massachusetts, Mike, and I lived in California too. Then I moved to Florida in my teenage years. James has lived in Florida the whole time. Yeah, born so and raised. I've been saying like pretty much all the same stuff you're saying now. Like I, it took me a I, long time. Like I, you know, my entire life I've lived within 20 minutes of Tampa, Florida. So like for me it's like. That's stuff we heard, like JT, the JT Money Trick Daddy, like you know, sixty nine boys or yep. whatever, whatever else, uh, the Quad City DJs or whatever else would talk about you know. <laughs> and then like you know, then then obviously the next bastion of that was obviously Atlanta rap. So it was like Outcasts are gods to me. Like yep. you ask me, Run DMC or Outcasts, I'm thinking like. I don't give a fuck. Like, if you ask me to one of those, like, yeah, I will shove Rev One off the cliff. Like, go. <laughs> you know, so, like, so me, that's how, that's how it's always been. Like, so I was like, when, you know, when you told me, like, you can understand what, like, T.I. was saying on track. I literally like, couldn't understand what T.I. was saying. I was sitting there, like, I mean, it sounds like it's perfect English to me. And then you were like, well, why does he sound like instead of saying the Rolls Gold Rolex watch, it sounds like he's saying Roll Gold Roll Air Wah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, literally. Like, I, that's what, I mean, I, I don't hear that, but, you know, that's how you hear it. Fine, whatever. I guess, I guess that's a good point to, uh, to wrap the show yeah. up before I say something that impedes my, um, my budding music career. <laughs> that's all right i'll get you in with wale everything will be good you hook you up with maybach so don't say anything bad about rick ross or anything like that oh yeah we good we good on there what's up wale <laughs> he's come on one nation radio before we gotta get him back on um yeah but we appreciate you coming through mike um you know hey, actually, dr- you know before i go to i yeah, just sure. want to throw that and you know what i mean you gotta come on you guys gotta come on observer live one time i'll throw this exact same question to you there as here but it's like I thought about this and I asked Wale, I'm sure y'all heard the show when Wale was on. And it's like, you know, wrestling for the longest time, you look at, at who buys wrestling and you look back, cause I was doing some stuff on glow and doing some research stuff for some people uh, with like old advertising ages and stuff like that. And it, you talk about demographics and you talk about like brown people, whether they be of Latino descent, whether they be African American, whether they be uh, from the Caribbean, right. um, but wrestling always would do a good number, you know, boxing, wrestling, but wrestling, you know, would, and again, it would hurt in that advertisers sometimes didn't want to go after people, you know, and they look at, you know, poor people or brown people or less wealthy people, whatever the excuses that they have for never backing wrestling and never putting it out there. And you look at the way that pro wrestling has treated African-Americans for the most part, you know, and, and the angles. And yes, it is one, look, there's a lot of, there's a hell of a lot of xenophobia to spread around, and it's like they, in some ways, WWE, the ultimate and equal opportunity offenders over the years. But <laughs> I, I was just thinking of this with Griselda, with all those artists from Griselda that now got signed to Shady, right? And West Side Gun and Conway, who have alter egos, Hall and Nash. And you got that other dude, uh, Tone, whatever it is. I mean, Tone Atlas, you know, where it's like, 
you know, Action Bronson with his lyrics. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not like it's a new thing, you know, breaking motherfucking backs like Ken Patera. Wrestling has played such an important, impactful role of Method Man, no matter who it is. And it's like, how do you feel about how wrestling, and I, again, this may be a, a show for another day, but like the give back of the equation of fans continue, it seems to be the African-American community still seems to really respect a, a sport and a business that has taken a long time to try to warm up and figure out what the hell to do on a bigger scale, because it seems to be Gabe Sapolsky and Evolve does a better job mm-hmm. with African-Americans and spreading them out and figuring out different things to do with them than, than WWE, which tends to always fall back on the stereotype, in my opinion. Okay, so um, what I will say is the history of of um, the history of minorities in um, in pro wrestling. You have to go back. I mean, like for me personally, I look at it as this. Um, I don't think. I mean, I look at the stuff they put out there and the stereotypes and the stuff they've had guys go through, and I'm thinking like, wow, that's that's that's, that's, that's super fucked up and problematic and all types of other stuff. But um, at the same time, like I'm not I'm not going to be naive to the fact that like. I mean, you look at the country and what we've gone to and what we just saw on um, yesterday. And, like, this is a country that still has issues with racism, obviously. So, like, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, it would be hard for me to believe that a company, uh, like any, any company, any promotion, wouldn't have these same problems that we, that we also experience um, nationwide. Right. So, you go, so from, from that being my starting off point, you look at the history that we have where like, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of promoters, um, I believe, uh, I believe there's a saying, I can't remember which, I don't want to attribute it to the wrong person, but back in the day, the whole saying was you're black. That's your gimmick. Is right. you're black. Right. Like we don't have to worry about, you know, putting you in, next to RoboCop or painting your face <laughs> or whatever else. We did a whole segment. We, we might, don't one, actually one have to worry about having another black man on the roster because you're here. Right. <laughs> right. We did a whole segment, Mike. It was like would insert the blanks gimmick work if they were black, and it was probably like it was like one of our <laughs> first couple shows, and yeah. it was like it was such an interesting segment. It was like could the Undertaker have been black? No. Like. No. <laughs> <laughs> like different stuff like that like you know could the ultimate warrior have been black like no like no. <laughs> so so like so from from that perspective it's like you look at it and you think or, or you think okay so that is that's where we are so how do we fix that and you know a lot is going to come down to one of these days I'm going to or let me phrase that one of these days, I'm going to have to, like, try to figure out, like, why in the world, when WWE loves them some football players or ex-former athletes or whatever, that given that the um, Performance Center is in Orlando, why every single year they are not, like, taking their ass to games, driving up to Gainesville, and guys that aren't making it to the NFL out of the out of University of Florida or, or, or go to Tallahassee, yep. Florida State, go to, Miami, go to Coral Gables to Miami and grab dudes that aren't making the NFL or whatever and buy the shipload. Not buy the shipload. That's a bad term of phrase. Talk about just just bring them in by the truck. No, you know? Uh, like, like, why, they are, why there isn't a why there are class where literally, like, everything they do is they, or a, a bunch of people that are doing is, like, a reach out thing. Like, all right, we need what we want. Prerequisite athletes look to be, you know, because they love some height. And they love some, you know, they love them some rippling muscles. You can literally go and I can find you, I can, I can find you, like, ten guys off the Florida State roster, that's almost got a ship that aren't going to ever make it to the NFL or whatever else, and you can go bring them in there, 
and and um and, and try them out or whatever and then take them through the uh, what do you call them the the combine yeah. stuff that they do yeah like they're, they're trialed that doesn't that doesn't seem to be the pipeline or whatever they want to do um now you know there are guys like the Velveteen Dream that's in NXT and Adam you Clark. know there are guys around all around the world like the Jay Lethal's of the world um the rest of uh, the other clique that we saw in um at um in Orlando what was uh. uh that was with Shane that was, Strickland and yeah. um, Ryan Smiles, I believe. Yeah, yeah, you know, H, you know, ACH, you know, yeah, Ricochet, Ricochet, yeah, all those guys, and you know, whatever, like they haven't figured it out. I mean, and quite frankly, like it's a microcosm of life. You look at the NBA, <laughs> where you look at the NBA and in the NFL, for example, where the NFL is 70 percent black, um, but the face of the, the face of the of NFL teams are tradi- traditionally, if you have some type of um, Hall of Fame caliber star that's not a quarterback or your quarterback, and you know how the pipeline is for quarterbacks, they, um, they, you know they come from means, they go, they have all that kind of stuff. So it's cut off to a certain population, especially where most, you know, whatever else, you know, I don't even want to get graphics or whatever, but we know what's up with the quarterback situation yeah. in the NFL historically and now, even to the, even to this day. And you look at the NBA and, you know, their whole issue is about, you know, they have to do all this stuff about, uh, uh, sorry, uh, respectability politics where they have a dress code. They can't come out wearing a white tee or whatever else uh, over the years because they're very conscious that this is a, this is a uh, sport that is populated by black players and they have to sell this to a white audience. So, you know, the rub is, how, if you're trying, if your idea is you have to try to make as much money as possible, how do you handle trying to uh, present somebody that is somebody that might just be based off of what their skin looks like? It's going to um, be some type of automatically is behind the eight ball just yeah. because of what they look like because people might not, they say they don't connect, right? Also, I think it's, it's important to look at who's backstage in WWE. That too. How, how many uh, African Americans are in positions like where how they have are, Vince's ear? How many guys ear? are writers? How many guys are writers? Like, how do they have that perspective? That's why I was so impressed by the rap battle segment with the Usos and the um, New Day because yeah. it seemed like whoever is in charge back there and it sets this stuff up, they got out of the way. And well, I don't know that for sure. Have well, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. I would say they just in that. I would just say I don't think they had a choice. I mean, it's like what what can you do? What can you, you know? And I think they. It was one of those things where it's just like okay, I guess don't curse. But it's not like there's where Vince can't write the script for you. Yeah. <laughs> you like, know, he's anyone that was going to think of wants to get saying. in this dig or something like that. But yeah. it's like you know what could they really do? And it, I think it goes to what you said as far as like there is no Rooney rule in pro wrestling. In fact, we know what wrestling's history has traditionally been mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to people, but like, where is Ron Simmons and Titus O'Neil to jump in the car with Gerald Briscoe to go scout out people? That's Mark Henry now. Yeah, Mark and Henry. Go, you know, this is what you want to do, but it always kind of amazed me. And I think it's because I came from a sporting background and I grew up around a large cross section of people. And I played a lot of sports and a boxed, which, you know, you tend, mm-hmm. you know, it just, this is just a fact. White guys don't box here in America because they're they're smart at this point. And it's like if you don't have the the reason to get hit in the head, it's why football is dropping and and things like basketball and other sports are picking up. So it's like you have people that are most hungry to get out, and so you see a lot of Latinos and a lot of African Americans that are boxing, and that was always around. And what always got me was like Ron Simmons and 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 guys like that. It's like 
they're athletes I see all the time because of sports. And the fact that they've gotten away from that and they can't assimilate anybody in and they have never bothered to try, that's what always got me. And it always amazed me that I would go to shows in Baltimore and go to shows in D.C. that, you know, you look at the crowd and you see this undying support and this, right. you know, release from this crowd. And it, it, it always it was amazing that it's like it's not being paid back from these promoters. And granted, right. too, that in fact I'm 41 and I grew up as times were changing, you know, from the 80s into the 90s to now. And, and things started to, to change from the older era. But it was like we watch these men play sports on TV all the time and you can't figure out a way to get them in. And it's just like. And I just look at this crowd, and it's like it's hard not to think how much racism is involved in this. Yet, right. you still are gladly these are people that are still gladly giving you money, and you're not paying it back. And it's changed a lot, obviously, and we made some improvements. But it's again, it's just it's it's a microcosm of society, I guess. And that's always what wrestling's been. It's always, I guess, kind of been a mirror on society. But it's wrestling is it life. is so rough that even now it's such a struggle to get people in and when you see so many characters always attached to each other at the hip because they don't know what else to do with them, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we were talking about, uh, I, I mean, I, I will have to, you know, see, but you look at the, for example, the, the film industry, um, people are trying to figure like, you see like what happens once you have, you put on a quality product with people that are, that aren't the majority and you see how well it does. And like, you see these write-ups about like they're surprised they're, they're surprised that they did this well. I'm thinking like no, of course, of yes. course they're gonna do well. You have these these mark you have these these demographic of people this pool of people that uh that you know you look at uh and I'm I'm not maybe this is the case I'm I don't I'm not sure but I'm pretty sure that like as far as of of a um of of, of consumer base like I'm pretty sure that 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 black people make up just like in the film industry makeup um are overrepresented as far as like the number of people that buy spend dollars on on entertainment products mm-hmm. so and so like when you come out with a girl's trip and it and it does a hundred something million dollars and people are sitting there shot it's like well of course you people that have been starving to see themselves represented on television right. or on film yeah. or, or it's like, why, the, why, like, why, what you think is about to happen when black panther comes out like we, yeah. we like, <laughs> like, 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 we're gonna get a whole bunch of articles that are hand wringing over like we can't believe we saw this coming and is this a revolution the same way they print yeah. the same articles over and over again yet so little progress is made. I don't see movies that much. I'm so I'm so okay. stuck in the bubble. I just don't have the time. Right. And so I don't see a lot of stuff. So it's like I, I heard about Girls Trip. And I'm seeing it's like I know all of who these women are. Right. And I'm thinking it's like people are saying it's a surprise and I'm looking at the budget and it's like eighty million dollars, whatever. I'm thinking okay, how can anybody think that, like, this is a surprise? I mean, they obviously got $80 million. Like, what am I missing here? And then you read the articles that are like, people are confounded by this. And it's like, it's just like, it's the same. And a lot of patronizing articles of, like, you know, like like all of a sudden black women decided they like to have fun at a movie theater. Right. Even though, <laughs> and like, see themselves on screen having fun. Like, we all don't like to see, like, visions of ourselves, you know, on screen having fun sometimes. It just... I don't know. It just blows my mind that it's like, again, a yesterday proved there's a long fucking way to go. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, it is slow progress, even with people that, that act the most progressive. Right. I look we, at got the- a, we got a comment from um, Nicholas Guerrero. He's like, it frustrates me that they give up on African-American wrestlers so quickly these days, too. I can't think of a mainstream African-American star since Booker T. 
Um, I think that with the right character and push that Titus or Apollo could have been stars. They need African-American stars at the level of Booker T, Rock, Mark Henry, etc. Okay, I was going to say Mark Henry would have been the last one during the Hall of Fame run. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you look at what, they, what their situation is where, you know, they brought Del Rio back because they were starting to have a to have a Mexican superstar to 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 um, to run to the audience, the right? And they and they brought him back, and he was a baby. Fa- and they brought him back in Los Angeles, got cheered, and then they brought him, and then they immediately put him with Zeb Culture, the guy that's been that's been doing you know the xenophobia gimmick. So stupid. And then they, and they, and then they turned him heel, and it was like, no, dude, we wanted we wanted this this in Los Angeles gone for two year two three yes. years, and. And then you know they've been trying to they tried to get Ray back, but Ray didn't work because you know they remember they never wanted to let Ray leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they and then they get back to this point is like they just are in a situation where like I mean at least they're trying gender right yeah but you can say that but I mean it's that's clearly just like you know but boy that's a self fulfilling prophecy if he fails and you know because we've seen it happen so many right. times where it's like well we gave him the ball it's like yeah. Man, you gave him a grease pig and then said, I hope you hang on to this thing. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's like it, it's there's a level of phoniness involved there. And I just I think it sticks out, too, because there's evolve and it's like, you know, Stokely does such a great job promoting himself. And, and, and the guys there do such a great job promoting Stokely as far as those videos go. And it's like you have Hathaway on that roster. He's a manager. Who's who's a little shady, but really entertaining. I mean, he's a great old school developing into a great, you know, old school type of manager. You have ACH. He's like a video game. Mm-hmm. You had Fred Yehi there, who was short, pissed off, and crazy, but he's tough. He'll come at you, uh, and he can tie you up if he wanted to. You, you know, you have you have Keith Lee, who's your stereotypical old jock who got into the business, and it's like you know he's just more athletic than others. Thomas Sharp. We're going to see the development of him you know, coming off of being the gatekeeper and coming off of being Blaster McMassive. And it's like, you got a small scale thing going on here where everybody is kind of, they got their own thing going on. And it's not to demean anybody on WWE's roster, but it's like, look at what they've done with our truth just overall. And it's like, you know, what they fall back to with different stereotypes is our truth. He's been the crazy guy. He's been the guy who's talked to himself He's been, he's been, he's been the cons- rapper. He's been the conspiracy Negro, too. Yes, he also has been. He's also been... He put the Confederate uniform on. I still love... Look, 2011 was, R-Truth is my guy. Dude, I will go to the grave defending him. We but just, it was prob- prob- definitely problematic. We got into... Look, we had got into it right around that to got back into wrestling right around the time. I remember when you told me that he had that I had missed that episode of Raw and that he was in a freaking uh, Confederacy suit. And, and I was like, yep. I'm gonna mentally in my mind ever since then. Like I have mentally checked the box, marked the X across over it, over our truth name forever. <laughs> I, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never gonna get get around that. Like this is not, bro. Whatever. Like you do your thing. The awesome truth was really cool or whatever. The whole situation where like he comes in at the at the Boston one time. They made a storyline out of it where like he comes in a certain spe- stipulation matches with ready for a different st- stipulation. Like that's funny, yeah. but like never again will I ever be in on our truth. Right. Uh, we got a couple comments in from uh, Nicholas. He was like, Ray was getting booed out of the building towards the end. They could have had him with a good heel run that he never actually did. Well, are we talking about just that one night the, 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 when he showed up at 30? I think, he, Royal Rumble I think he got put uh, in a couple bad situations okay. with that, that Royal Rumble. And then also when Wade Barrett came back, he ended up getting booed. Like, uh, and uh, Barrett basically had made his return after being gone. Gotcha. Well, I mean, that's a bad situation. So, right. like, for me, it's like, 
He's one of the, you know, he's one of the great, he's one of the great lovable baby faces of the last 25 years of America, of um, North American pro wrestling. Maybe that, and he's, you know, obviously, you know, the knee injuries are uh, taking his toll for years. I mean, it's, you know, 20 years worth of knee injuries, just about, but like he's only what, early 40s? 42, 43-ish? Yeah. yeah. Like, he deserves age. another type of run um, in, in, the, in the company, and he needs to become a guy that becomes an ambassador for the company and the legend contract and gets in the Hall of Fame and all the other good stuff. Right. Also, got a he's question. He's a lot of time off. You know, and that's the thing. He's, he's been able to be rested, and it, it would be tough for me to believe he doesn't go back there because, again, this is another thing like WWE, you know, if we go from one race to another. As you see, and Roddy C. and Almas is die on the vine, and they didn't know what to yep. do with Mystico, and Grand Metallic isn't even barely on the roster, oh for God's God. sake, <laughs> even though you're paying the man. And it's like, you know what they're going to go back to? They're going to go back to Ray because that's what they know how to do. And and he'll be a success, you know, for as long as he's there because there's nostalgia and all that sort of other good stuff. But it's like, you got to kind of laugh. And it's like, you know, there's all this talent in the world. You got La, La Sombra. La Sombra. My God, and because you, you can say, like, you can look at Dorado and go, well, hey, he went over to New Japan and, you know, neither he or Mystico, you know, knocked the bottom out there. And, in fact, it was La Sombra that did it with Nakamura. So it's like, okay, you can even kind of try to demean him, even though you really can't do it. But it's like, with what they've done with La Sombra, it's like, oh, come on, man. The, the dude was over and had more charisma with a mask on. And you take it off of him, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he lost it before going up there. But it's like... You can't do anything with him? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, question from Dylan James. He says, uh, do y'all think D'Lo could have been a star if they gave him the extra push into the main event scene around 99, 2000? He was over in the uh, ring. He was over like in the, the ring, match, but no. Like I watched a match that he had. Um, like I saw highlights of, of a match, the uh, um, SummerSlam, Val Venus. That dude, I forgot how good of a wrestler he was. D'Lo uh, and Val, D'Lo and X-Pac, and also D'Lo and Triple H. Yeah, I, uh, I forgot, I like I said, I, but I forgot that D'Lo was a good worker. But, but like, you know, and I, but I remember he was over to a certain point, but, I mean, nah. he was in that Hill stable, and, like, obviously they paid Mark Henry all that money off for, for, for being him. Rock was a good dude. They had a sending up the car. That's why they put him in that stable. And, and Ron Simmons was a star of that group. Yeah. Like, he was the Godfather a ended up with, like, like the best gimmick. Many, how many? Yeah. That's, I mean, whether whether it was Kama or the Godfather, I mean, they were both big steps up for what he was doing. Right. So it's like, what? I mean, he was the fourth guy in the stable. I mean, outside of Evolution, how many guys have in a stable have four guys absolutely make, make it? And he was supposed to point. be Flav. I mean, he was supposed to be a chubby kid that would he would be the one that he was the young guy, the youngest out of all of them, except for Mark Henry. But again, different story there. Where. He would be the one to get beat. He would take the L, mm -hmm. you know, and all that sort of stuff. And I think he, I honestly think he got over a lot further than he maybe even deserved to, I think, for his, even for his skills in the ring. But there were times where him and Jeff Jarrett, where he really did hold up to his end That's of the deal. One. And, yeah. you know, I think he, I honestly think he made it probably as far as he could because I don't think he, he didn't fit into that main event picture. And I think, I mean, can you really think his work was that good to see him night after night out there against, you know, any of that that those, those big names that we threw out there? I, yeah. I don't think so. It's hard for me to fathom that one. Yeah, and it's also another thing is like I don't know what I don't remember what his voice sounds like. That's another part of it. Yeah. So like, but yeah, like, it, but yeah, like, yeah, I agree with that. But like at the same time, it, we have to be beyond a point where like the only time you can be like actually win the WWE championship and be black is if like 
you are also have the potential to be the biggest draw grossing in the box office. And like you can, like you don't have, like it shouldn't be. You have to be the rock to be to, to win the belt <laughs> Correct. in WWE. Correct. You know what I'm saying? That's like, true. Especially when well, there's I mean, like, Ron Simmons. If you think about that time right. when when Simmons came in, if he didn't come in as Farouk with the shitty helmet with the white woman, oh and he God. actually just came in as Ron Simmons, and I, I think I'm going to punch somebody in the face today. Even if you called him Farouk, but you called him Farouk. The motherfucker's going to punch you in the face. Yeah. And you put him out there with Vader, and you put him out there and had bangers with these guys, with the Shawn Michaels or, and whoever else it was. It's like, you're telling me he couldn't have been world champion? Yeah. Man, people would have bought Ron Simmons as world uh, champion. It, look, they bought the Sid as world WWE champion. Yeah. You, know, you know who they would have bought? Who? Booker T. Yeah. That's sure true, like we, like we talk, like, um, me and Rich, um, me and Rich were actually, we watched, um, actually, this was because, I mean, I did this anyway, but I was listening to Brian Devaney, and they were talking about how you know, they only do the Raw, the raw Retros or whatever, Raw Nitro Retros. And they had talked about how Booker T and Bret Hart had a match at Bash to Beach 98. And I was like, huh. That's, I don't remember that. Turn it on. You know how jarring it was for me to, like, to watch that match? I told you this. Mm-hmm. You know how jarring it is to, like, know Bret Hart, love Bret Hart, grew up thinking Bret Hart was the greatest at the, t- at the time because that's what you grew up on. And then, like, see a match where, like, somebody's crisper in the ring than Bret Hart. That was shocking to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, mm-hmm. that dude looks like that dude looks like everything. Like this man will kill, will push, will push somebody off a cliff. Like, I love saying off a cliff. Will push somebody off a cliff to have two thousand or nineteen ninety eight Booker T right now. <laughs> he would, <laughs> yeah. so, he would push him straight to the top. He looked, you would think he would. He was everything. I thought I loved Harlan Heat anyway. I was a big fan of tag team wrestling. I and you know it was so, it was so weak for so long. And Harlem Heat was one of the only things out there. I remember cheering him like crazy at the arena and sit down, white boy, we don't need your support. I'll, I'll <laughs> you I love this. You know, and it's like, I mean, it was and I, to see Booker T when they put him in with like Benoit, people didn't get it, you know, at the time. And it's yeah. just like, no, this is, he's going to be a single star. And he, the suit and, and the rap and how he carried himself. I mean, he should have gotten it should have been so much sooner for him right instead of the fear of whoever there was bobby walker's lawsuit or whatever it was where they decided to go ahead and do it and it's like man you had something there for the longest time but at least you did it and then him coming to wwe and then doing what they did with him yeah and it's like the match with triple h at wrestlemania he does the harlem hangover i still remember this it still bothers me he hit the harlem hangover he hadn't done that move in years he, I don't remember him doing the Harlem Hangover in the longest time. That flip leg drop, yep, and yeah. they didn't call it. And that whole thing with Triple H, which played off of the old, the old race. style Harley thing and... of the race angle in there, yeah. and, and he goes out there and it fails, you know. And it, it, it just that really was like, man, did you miss it with this guy? And look, Cream always rises to the top, whether it be Daniel Bryan, whether it be the New Day, whether it be CM Punk. Uh, whether it be Booker T, you know, you can get pushed down and demeaned and, and they can try to put their foot on you as much as they can. And maybe you don't make it to where you think you should, but the, the cream will rise. And Booker T did that and survived it somehow with all the nonsense. And it was, you know, his range and his skill as King Booker, the feud with Austin, a lot of the stuff he did really showed, I think how much they missed the boat on him because they did a lot of stuff with him later and let him spread his wings. But it was already kind of like, we missed the physical peak of Booker yep, T right. being like the motherfucking man. Like, you know what I mean? We got it a little bit with, with, with Scott Steiner and him. We got a little bit at the end of WCW, but T 
damn, was he good. Yeah, when I talked to him over WrestleMania weekend, like, I walked up to him, I was just like, man, thank you, like, for giving me something, like, to, to like, watch as a kid. Was- like, just, like, 1998, watching Thunder, seeing Booker T every week with a TV title. It was just like, like, thank you for representing for us. Like, and he the, was just like, I the appreciate best music? It. Yes. Man, I might I might put some bars over that, you know. <laughs> like, that's I, would, like, I had that on my. I still may have it on, on one of the old iPods. I had that forever because it was like, again, it was such a generic. You think about how generic it was, but it's like with the flames, and there was yep. when they actually is. And this is where aesthetics matter. When they actually busted out, and WCW actually started to care about a Titantron, and they actually had the one Titantron. It's like. His whole act was so good, and it's yeah. too bad WCW couldn't raise get out of their own way at the time. <laughs> yeah, and I, <laughs> was you out there raising the roof, Mike? <laughs> but it's like, I mean, again, it's the it's the whole it's the whole <laughs> package that went along with it, and the fact that he was carrying it at a time where it's like, again, his value to WWE at that time, and I know it couldn't have been you know how it was because that's how WWE was and those guys there. But it's like it's too bad because they missed they really missed some time with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a, a good place to leave it. Uh, and like you said, Mike, we'd be happy to join I you. Killed on, it dead uh, right there. Just yeah. murdered that goddamn thing. Yep, yep. That's a great <laughs> place to leave it. set in. Yep. It lay it down. Uh, it's getting cold. Uh, but yeah, like like you said, uh, we'd be happy to come discuss this more on Wrestling Observer Live and anything like that. Just want to let the people know where they can find you, Mike. It's in purgatory of having to deal with Brian Alvarez, but Wrestling Observer Live, which is every single day, Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern. It replays at 8 p.m. Eastern over most affiliates. In fact, we pick up some affiliates like the American Forces Radio Network. Uh, so if you're stationed overseas somewhere, got an AFN radio, we're going to be on there 8 o'clock every single day. That includes Saturday as well, too. Uh, they pick up that replay at 8 uh, the live show on Saturday, if we do one, happens at 1 o'clock. If not, we have a replay there. Uh, and then Sunday, the Mothership show from 6 to 8. That's the one that Dave and Brian made famous, Wrestling Observer Live. Tune in radio, uh, the, either the app or tunein.com, sportsbyline.com, iHeartRadio, uh, iTunes, or wrestlingobserver.com if you want to just download the podcast there. We also have a bunch of affiliates we've picked up uh, all over the country, including uh, 50,000 Watt, home of uh, LSU, uh, down there in Texarkana, as Brian likes to say, but the the home of uh, LSU Tigers, which kind of hurts me as, a, as an Auburn fan a little bit, but, you know, it, it's how it goes. We won't tell them that, uh, so they continue to keep listening to the show. So lots of over-the-air affiliates, too, but you can find out all that stuff at WrestlingObserver.com. Hey, at the end of the day, sure, you're, all, you're all Tigers, so, you know. Let's say, yeah, there's that, and it's like, you know, I used to, you know, I got my man Mike Mooneyham, who always does a great wrestling column Shout uh, out to for yep. the uh, – you know, o- over in uh, South Carolina, who's, you know, a big Clemson fan. So, you got those Tigers as well, too. So, Tigers yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah and, and also another comment by y'all all hate Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Well, we're going to hit him, too, on the uh, first Conrad. game of the season. Yeah. Knowles. Um, yeah, so, uh, uh, and also, Brian, if you're listening to this, you're welcome to come on the show and defend yourself against Mike, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Brian ain't listening to this, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Brian hasn't I'm, even watched any wrestling this week. Don't let him fool you. Oh, oh man. Oh, <laughs> uh, James, you want to add anything before we get up out of here, man? No, nah, just, just thank you for coming back on, Mike. Um, and hopefully we'll have you on again, um, you know, more on a more regular basis if that's what you want to do. Hey, absolutely. Anytime you guys want. I really, really appreciate it. Let me come on here and just ramble like this. For sure, man. No filter on here. Um, 
But yeah, that's gonna wrap up the show, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. Um, it will be available in the archive. Uh, it, it will be up. Uh, make sure you guys check out socialsuplex.com. Been doing a lot in the uh, Lattice Larry writing series. I just explored the question of why do we watch wrestling if it makes us angry? Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's an interesting read for, for people to check and, and something they might just have to ask themselves. So, uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up. Um, peace. Later. <laughs>